Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it sounds like turn of the millennium generic dance music. Dude, if we if I had to do this one, if I do the spider sense, that would have been roughly my answer too. So I'm <laughs> glad we're on the same wavelength for that. To listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Cool. We're starting a new show. Mm-hmm. And this this one has been, I feel like, hotly requested for at least it seems to me, considering that we don't get like very many requests in general, because I guess people just expect us to cover everything because we say that we will and we will. But mm-hmm. I feel like for years, m- from many people that I've talked to when I brought up our show or like plugged it on another podcast or what have you, like someone will always be like, oh, yeah, what about have you all done that that weird CGI show or like have you all done that one that was on MTV? And it's either... I've heard it from people who like love it. I've heard it from people who hate it. I've heard it from people, I think mostly who just consider this a weird curiosity that they remember because it is uh, weird for a number of reasons Um, Mm. and not in a bad way. I think it is just one that like everyone who was either growing up or was just around in 2003 knows exists. And I think, your opinions on whether you love it or hate it, I think are all valid, but I think no matter what, I think everyone kind of agrees that like, this was just a odd kind of show to exist for a number of reasons. You don't have any experience with this one at all. Do you, have you ever seen this one before? No, I absolutely haven't. And I, I don't know. I don't even know if I would have known it existed. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would have honestly, you might've literally been the one who told me this show existed. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. This The show that we're talking about today is, it goes by many names, officially, as of the 2004 DVD release, and they retroactively called it by this name ever since then, Spider-Man, the new animated series, uh, which is just a funny <laughs> title for a show. Um, it's also known as like the MTV Spider-Man show, the mm. 2003 Spider-Man show. For all intents and purposes, this is this is the CGI one that aired on MTV that came right after the Raimi movie and is very heavily influenced by the Raimi movie uh, to varying degrees that we'll get into. But I think it's, I think we're going to have a lot to say about this one because it is a very interesting show (laughs) for (laughs) a lot of reasons. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have a lot to say. I don't know about that. (laughs) Oh, Okay. Okay. We'll see. It might be episode to episode, to be honest, based on the very little bit that I've watched. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Yeah. So this one, I think this is one of the few shows we covered a lot on this podcast that 
it's like we have no information on this because no one's talked about it. Nobody, nobody's talking about the Spider Woman show, for example. Even though mm-hmm. I would love to know so much about it, uh, it's the opposite with this case. There was like a DVD release, like right after the first season, that has just a shit ton of stuff on it. Like the the creators of the show really loved talking about it at the time, and so there's a wealth of material. And I think a lot of it is kind of fascinating, um, given that this is the first CGI Spider Man show. And I guess only one as of right now. And mm, Spidey and his amazing friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but, I mean, that still, that took what, 20 yeah. years for that to happen. So, yeah, that just happened. Yeah. And it's also like the, the, the most opposite vibes that you could possibly have between this show and that show. Cause this mm-hmm. one also is like kind of aimed for an older audience very intentionally. So, so I think what's sort of, I think what's sort of interesting about this is that it is very directly like one of those cartoon sequels to movies that come out that happen pretty often that used to happen pretty often where like this is specifically like directly kind of connected to the Raimi movie. Um, But I think the genesis of it is sort of fascinating because it like it wasn't always. And I think that that's kind of you can kind of tell when you're watching the show. Cause it was about six months before that movie began that um who would become the co-executive producer, Adu Padden, who uh, I'm not going to have another chance to really talk about him in depth. So I think his sort of history is uh, directing and producing stuff like Animaniacs, Extreme Ghostbusters, Godzilla the series, Max Steel, a bunch of Monster High movies, uh, a Star Tri- a Starship Troopers TV show called Roughnecks that I've never heard of. I don't know. Um, and he's going to be working on the Magic of the Gathering show. So it's a guy who's kind of dabbled in, in both 2D and 3D animation throughout the years. He and Adelaide Productions got this contract from Sony to work on an animated series to kind of go along with the movie. It wasn't necessarily meant to be like a sequel to the movie or anything. It would just be to sort of ride the crest of it kind of in the way that like the the 90s show was was riding the crest of but what would have been the James Cameron movie, right? Mm-hmm. Avi Arad, who we're very familiar with, uh, he brought in Brian Michael Bendis, who was the author of Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic, which had only been out for like a couple of years at the time that they were in production. Um, so still sort of very like new to that, but it was popular enough that I think they recognized that he might be a good person to bring on to write a show. So we wrote a pilot script for it that was apparently like very edgy. It was like heavily based on the ultimate Spider-Man comic. I think other places have said that it was pretty much just a direct adaptation of ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so like, and actually I think one interesting, we'll bring up later in the show, but like, there's only one episode of the show I think that Brian Michael Bendis has any actual credits on other than the general developed credit. He does have a story credit on an episode later, and we'll talk about it. I think that episode uses elements of his original pilot script. Like the episode we're talking about today I don't think is is actually really based on what the pilot script was that they were shopping around to networks. But we'll talk to that. We'll talk about that a little later in the season. For the pilot script that he wrote, they were shopping it around. MTV picked it up. But then the Raimi movie happened. That movie was a huge smash. So I think everyone involved was like, I guess maybe we should try to tie that a little more into the Raimi movie. So they kind of scrapped the idea of it being a closer to an ultimate Spider-Man adaptation and sort sort of retroactively rework it to be in the Raimi movie continuity. And like, I will say 
Brian Michael Bendis is on the DVD commentary for this show, like on the first episode. So I don't think it's a thing where they like kicked him out or anything like that. Like doesn't seem like there's any bad blood for shifting away from his vision or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just the creative direction they went in. So the direction they do end up going in is uh, redeveloped by Morgan Gendel, who I'll talk about a little later, who had apparently like never done animation before, which I think is kind of fascinating. And so they bring him in. And I think that like his whole idea when he was talking in interviews was like, like a kid in a candy store, I can expand my capacity as a storyteller and everything. So, and he gets like free reign from Sony to basically do like whatever, whatever they want on it. So like, they, they're like, go for the adult tone, do as many original characters as you want. We don't really care whether or not you stick to the comics And they also like say on the commentary that like, even though they reworked it to be more in continuity with the movie, kind of, they also like kind of had their own vibe that they wanted to go for. Like they're, they say explicitly, like we didn't care how the movie did. We were going to do the Spider-Man show that we liked regardless. So, which I think you can tell because this show definitely does not stick to the tone of the Raimi movie at all, even though it kind of like ostensibly is picking up threads from that movie, you know? yeah yeah it definitely has a different definitely has a different tone (laughs) that is for sure (laughs) yeah yeah as for the other kind of interesting thing about this the the cgi of it all i think that like they very intentionally want to do this because uh audio Patton had previously worked on cg animated shows so it's like well why not do that with spider-man 2 we know that we can do it and he said it gives them opportunities for lighting that traditional 2d animation wouldn't permit so they kind of shopped around other studios they ended up working with mainframe entertainment who is like really the at the time was the top of the line in cgi uh television because they did reboot and beast wars which Mm -hmm. were two of the biggest like CG animated shows like of all time. So um, they found a good studio to work on it. But what's interesting is that like they said that, uh, uh, and I quote, the closer we got to realism, the creepier the characters got sort of like stuffed flayed people or marionettes. Um, The closer we got to perfecting it, the more off we felt. So it was a very natural choice to make a choice that's uh, very graphic, uh, which is how they kind of went into the more like cartoony cell shaded direction that they constantly refer to as basically being part 2D. Um, so it's not even technically like a fully 3D animated show based on what they're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I think it's probably I, I feel like they're probably saying that because it's kind of like tricking us into yeah. viewing it as 2D. But I mean, it is. as far as i can tell like it is a fully cg animated show yeah because like it's not like it's doing the spider-verse thing where they're doing cg animation and then going over it in two-dimensional animation yeah i i think it might just be like in the language that they're using to audience members like on dvd for dvd featurettes yeah because they refer to it as being like part 2d part 3d all the time and i guess like there are there are points in the show where like Sometimes like there's uh there's a one point when like you're in the Oscorp office and I swear to God, it just looks like the word Oscorp is just like painted like on MS paint onto the background. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the signage is, but that's just textures, you know, sure. like, it, th- I mean, this, this animation is happening in 2002, 2003. So, I mean, they're not, they're not going to be, you know, modeling every letter along the way. Sure. Sure. Well, and Patton also said like one of the most important elements that they, wanted to go for was what they call the tune style line. Like that's super important to them. And that is literally just like outlines on all the characters. 
is it important to them because it's it's pretty inconsistent well (laughs) i think i have noted (laughs) yeah well that's the thing because they talk about it a lot and i mean i Hmm. think like it might be a technological uh Hmm. limitation thing because they said that one of the things when they were shopping it to like different cg places before they landed on mainframe part of their test was like we need to be able to fully control the color, the thickness, the weight and everything. Like we want it to look like an illustration. Um, And he said that it was like a very difficult technological achievement. So Mm -hmm. maybe like on a TV budget in 2003, that actually was something that's really hard. So like when it's inconsistent, it's like that's still them maybe trying their best. It was just, it's just that hard to do. Like he used the description that feels very like basic to me, but I guess it makes sense. It's like they, if, if, if they couldn't fully control the weight of the lines at all time, if a character like puts their hand all the way to the screen, like the line weight will just kind of take over the whole hand because they'd have to like make it smaller as it gets closer, I guess is what he's trying yeah, to no, say. That's, that's exactly what it is. Like if you, w- when it comes to like line thickness, if you have a consistent line thickness, every time you have something in the background, it starts getting muddy because it's outline is as big as anything in the foreground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so then you sort of like actually lose the depth that you're trying to create because everything's sort of on the same plane based on the outlines. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. So I mean, like, like I said, they talked about that like a lot on the DVD feature. So apparently that was extremely hard to do mm-hmm. and that was a very important to them. So, well, I don't doubt it because they're creating outlines for 3d objects. Right. Right. And that's not how 3d objects work, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they talk a lot about the cell shaded effect too. Like, I, I guess that was pretty new at the time. I don't really know or remember like the full history of like when you were seeing a lot more cell shaded stuff. Like, I feel like it was in video games at the time, but I guess I'd never seen a TV sh- show with that. Maybe. Um, it's still kind of strange that the show looks the way that it does, because I think that the particular type of cell shading they're doing is exactly what you're talking about. It's associated with video games, like something mm-hmm. like on a GameCube or like specifically like Wind Waker tries mm-hmm. to do a very similar thing. Right. Um, so it's, it is it is strange or, or just different or noteworthy that the show kind of took that approach. And I think it probably was kind of mind blowing to look at at the time. Yeah, because I'm thinking like even like I remember a scanner darkly was a cell shaded movie, but that came out after I think that came out a few years after this. And and it's also on a film budget, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it is sort of, I think, pretty daring that they were doing it. And, you know, and it's like they talk about having like these really stark two tones in the show. They were going with the sort of like neon noir approach is what they called it, where there's like a lot of bright colors painted on the to deep blacks and they were going in with in it with honestly like the way they talk about it and granted they're talking about this on a dvd featurette so like they're gonna want to make themselves look as good as possible but the way they talk about it reminds me a lot of how you quote like pixar people talking Mm -hmm. where they're very intentionally like we want to move along this technology we want to sort of create something new and then potentially other people who come after us or other shows that come after us are gonna gonna try to like use the technology that we've built and so we'd theoretically see more shows that look like us on tv and they wanted that Mm -hmm. um i don't think you really do i feel like (laughs) yeah i think uh i think i admire everything they're doing and i i I appreciate all the stuff that they're trying to like push forward i think even at the time and again i wasn't exposed to the show so i don't have a memory of this but i feel Mm -hmm. like even at the time folks who might have been able to appreciate what they're doing probably didn't think it necessarily looked good yeah 
you yeah. know, like that, yes. that would be my guess. And I, and I didn't go back to look to find reviews that I'm sure exist, but I, I feel like there's, there's certain things that they're unable to do. That's probably out of their control that yep. ultimately make it not look great. And I, I think yes. maybe some of those things are things that have been smoothed out or they were just maybe sort of ahead of their time and what they were attempting to do, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, I, you know, when we when we go back and watch like Toy Story at the time, or or even Star Wars, like the the prequel trilogy, people love to shit on the prequel trilogy for how the CGI looks. But it's it was honestly mind blowing. Like it was mind blowing, and what they managed to accomplish was astounding. You know, um, and so people have forgotten how impressed they were. I feel like maybe this is the type of thing where people who knew what it took were probably impressed. But I don't know if the average viewer was like, oh, wow, you know? Yeah, I, I'm I not sure. think you're no, I think you're very right. Because any, any anyone that I've talked to that like doesn't have have very positive feelings about this show was sort of like, yeah, that really ugly Spider-Man show. Mm-hmm. And and I I, wa- I I didn't mention this at the top, but I guess it's as good a place as any as I I was there when this started. I watched the whole season of it on MTV at night. And even at the time, I was sort of like. I appreciate what the show's doing. I don't think it's as good as it could be. (laughs) And I don't think it's a, it's particularly pretty. I think there are aspects of this show that are really cool in terms of like the design. Like I think that the movement of Spider-Man in particular, not necessarily like the fluidity of it all the time, but like just the way that they contort his body, I think is really fun in a way that they don't do it on a lot of other Spider-Man shows. And I'll think a lot of the lighting and some cool shadow work that they do in the show is really cool. But I don't think anyone, I I really don't think anyone was looking at this and being like, what a technological marvel, you know? Yeah, even though it is. I mean, it's worth noting, like, it is. It really is. It just doesn't necessarily look that way um, to to somebody who's not looking for it. And I think think there are some things that I would point out as stuff they probably had control over uh, that they chose to either do or not do anyway that that hurts the style a little bit, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean there, and I have a whole list of some limitations. That's that, that's kind of funny. Like that. Right. I mean like the things that they said, they, they even cop to it in the, in a lot of like the commentary and stuff is that like, they were a lot more interested in like, um, like emotion, like emotions on characters faces, like the way that characters emote, sometimes even more so than a lot of the action. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think... Honestly, that's the right choice, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I do think that that's pretty reflected in the show. There's some goofy moments, but I do think that like people's faces are never like still in this show. Like people are constantly moving their eyes and eyebrows and blinking and making facial expressions and moving their head head around and reacting. Like I I do see that they put a lot of effort into that. And I do think Mm -hmm. that that does show on screen. And like really the only like comic book re- uh, references in terms of design that they that they cited were like Todd McFarlane's design for the spider webs, Mark Bagley's uh, work as well, because he mm-hmm. d- like to draw like youthful Peter and like his kind of gangly body and everything. And I think that shows pretty much everything else I think was just like them doing their thing. Yeah. In terms of the limitations, they did originally like intend for Peter to wear baggier clothes to like kind of hide his musculature, kind of like mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man does. This is the first major limitation where they very quickly were like shoot (laughs) animating clothes that are moving Uh and like have folds oh wow that's kind of impossible (laughs) um pixar was struggling with this at the same time so i don't no no offense guys you weren't going to figure it out before them (laughs) 
<laughs> they they couldn't even do like longer hair. Like they had to make yeah. like the reason that MJ has a kind of a shorter haircut in this show is because no one on the show has long hair. Like they tried because well, they have to keep it static. They can't yeah. have it move the way that hair is supposed to move. You know, it has to be basically like a Lego wig. Exactly. Exactly. So like they said that anytime they'd have hair that they did try to have move that was longer or like long coats or gowns or drapery, like they cited like. Mm-hmm. We would love to have people dress like they're from the Matrix, but you can't because every time you do that, it just like passes through the body. Like it yep. cuts through the, the Clipping, character models. Clipping, baby. Clips, yep. <laughs> yep. So you're not going to see anything free-flowing. There's another character costume choice later in the show that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'll bring up like later when we get to that episode that I think is kind of notable too that they change for that particular reason. Mm-hmm. So like don't expect any big dresses or anyone that what? doesn't have a short haircut or a ponytail in this show. No Met Gala <laughs> episode <laughs> no met gala episode <laughs> the other limitation has nothing to do with the animation this is like where the mtv of it all comes in because they're like we're mtv we're hip we're for the teens and the youths we can't have old people on our show so unless there's like a villain or whatever you're not going to see very many old people which means that there's no aunt may in this show she Good lord exists you see a photo of her you're not going to see any more of that because I mean, young people won't don't want to see a grandma on the show, like an old lady. What? No. Um, it's, what's funny yeah. is if you had shown me this show and told me this didn't air on, on Fox, it didn't air on WB, take a guess. I feel like it wouldn't have taken me that many guesses to figure out where this showed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Even though it's wild that this was on MTV. It like is. You can like feel it. Like, you can feel that this was on MTV. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing that I think is a fun curiosity of it that makes this stick in people's craw is because, like, it truly is, like, unlike any other t- superhero TV show ever that's ever been made. And mm-hmm. that's not always for positive reasons. And I think mm-hmm. one of those is just, like, <laughs> oh, I can tell that this was on a network that does not do superhero shows 90- yeah. ever, ever. <laughs> um, yeah. Or at least at the wrong time, right? Like, yes. I feel like if for some reason MTV were tackling that now, like, they'd get it. Everybody gets it now. You if know? it was earlier, I think it would. If it was during, sure. like, the liquid television era, where they were doing like Eon Flux and the Max and stuff, I think mm-hmm. that they could have made a really fucking cool Spider-Man show. I it it wouldn't have been this, but it still would have been something that was really, I think, really artsy and cool. Mm-hmm. I think this was the exact like wrong time for this show. Um, and I mean that's what gets it canceled, is because MTV is like, <laughs> this doesn't fit in, guys. Like, literally, like the ratings were high. This show was a hit on the DVD, like it hadn't been canceled yet. Oh, They're talking about how the show is a hit. And MTV is like, it doesn't really fit with our programming. So they cancel it after a season. So fascinating. Fascinating. The only other production stuff I have is J Jonah Jameson is also minimally featured. He is in the show a little bit, but I think they would have had him be a more major character if not for the MTV rule of no old people in major roles on this show. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Um, And they also like aired the show wildly out of order. So Whenever we talk about episodes, I'm going to bring up the the uh, the DVD order, which from every place that I've seen is like what their intended order was. So we're going to we're going in the DVD order for this show, um, which is listed on Wikipedia. If you want to look it up and follow it along, um, that's not how like Amazon Prime has it. So you would have to actually like pick and choose which episode you're watching if you want to watch it in order. It doesn't like matter a ton because this is still pretty episodic. There are a couple of continuity things that as they come up throughout the season, I'll 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 bring them up 
but like I watched it as it was airing and like it, the order didn't bother me at all. So it's really not a, that big of a deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was either, I've heard it that it's MTV. I've heard that it's production delays, probably a combination of both is the only reason either way. I, I think episode order stuff is always fascinating because it is always interesting to think of like, it'll be interesting when we get to what the actual first episode aired was. And we might actually think that that, was better aired first than this first episode because spoiler. I don't really like this first episode very much at all. So (laughs) (laughs) personally, (laughs) I'm, 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 I'm open-minded at the moment or I'm, I'm I'm trying to be open-minded at the moment. I'm glad I have no, I have no exposure to this. So, I mean, I'll be upfront. Like my first impression is not great. I think it's Um, fair. I don't think this is, yeah. We'll uh we'll get into some of that, I guess. <laughs> I have yeah. Honestly, I remember not being super into this episode when I watched it originally. I haven't revisited it like since I first watched it. I like it way less now because there's some yikesy shit in this episode. Well, yeah, in this episode in particular, like I've I've watched more than this one episode, but I haven't watched a whole lot. This episode it specifically uh has some stuff that I, I definitely don't like. Um and we'll see how much of this is like episode to episode for me, or if it ends yeah. up being just sort of just what this show is, you know, yeah. I, I don't, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I'm, see. I, yeah. I don't even really know I'm the trying answer not to, to write that. it off, you know, a few episodes in. <laughs> I, in my memory there, there's a couple of good ones and there's some really interesting stuff that the show does. But like I said, I remember feeling like it was very middle of the road at best watching it at the time. And I have a feeling that opinion isn't going to change revisiting it, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm excited to to figure that out. So. Yeah. If you want to watch along with us, you can purchase it digitally on Amazon Prime. You can also get it, the, the complete series DVD set for pretty cheap still. And it's got lots of cool special features on it. So I would recommend it if you wanted. So this episode we're talking about today of Spider-Man, the new animated series, it is on the DVD uh, episode one or in airing order. It aired sixth entitled Heroes and Villains. The synopsis per IMDb is Spider-Man faces off against TurboJet, who steals from the rich and gives to the poor. Things get worse when the public starts to view TurboJet as the hero and Spider-Man as the villain. Hmm. Oh, no. Original air date was August 22nd, 2003, which was my birthday. Oh, yeah. what, a, what a gift. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Morgan Gendel, who, uh, like I said, uh, mentioned him earlier. He's one of the executive producers on the show. Um, he's also was an executive producer on The 100 and The Dresden Files and uh, VIP. He's also written on Law and Order, Nash Bridges, and both Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Oh, man. Did you watch Nash Bridges? No, I've never seen an episode we of that We definitely show. did. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but we definitely did. And I only only just remembered it uh, seeing it here. <laughs> it's not a is, show I think about. <laughs> is it about a person named Nash Bridges yeah. or is it about a bunch of bridges that are Nash? Yeah, well, both, actually. That's what's wild oh. about it. What? No, I'm totally oh, okay. lying. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guy named Nash Bridges. <laughs> cool, cool. I don't. I guess he's like a lawyer or something. I don't know. We don't have to talk about Nash Bridges. <laughs> this episode was directed by Tim Eldred. Uh, he directed the entire final season of Spider-Man 2017. Oh, which, granted, that's weird to think about. Yeah, very. Because I feel like when we started this podcast, we were unclear about whether the show was even over. Right. Oh. I guess we don't know if it's the, fi- I mean, it 
definitely. I mean, it it has to be now. They've announced another show. Yeah, I guess you're right. We didn't know at the time because that because it was just on like indefinite hiatus. Because yeah, yeah, I don't think it was canceled. Because that final season was airing in 2020, I think. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that's interesting. That's wild. I didn't even think about that as I was yeah, writing we kinda, it, too. Oh, that's so strange. I mean, I guess because we don't do news, we're not necessarily, like, meticulously looking for that stuff, but yeah. that's wild. Okay. And it and it wasn't like the, it was, like, a cancellation announcement. Right. It was just like, well, there's it was the, there's another it's one like now. the spectacular Spider-Man situation where it's just like, well, I guess we're not making any more because you're making them now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's um, weird. I mean, I yeah. guess if you had asked me, I would have said, like, yeah, that show's over, I guess, but I, yeah. I don't know. It could have just as easily been on hiatus for, you know, the reasons that the entire world is on fire, but sure. considering they've announced a new one. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Well. <laughs> wow. That's so fun. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Our quiet little news announcement there. Yeah. Um, uh, he also has worked on episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Assemble, and Extreme Ghostbusters. What I think is kind of uh, interesting, like, he's directed those things, but for the most part, he just works as a storyboard artist on, on stuff. But he's worked on a ton as a storyboard artist. So, like, The Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Rising, Operation Shuri, uh, some other recent Marvel tunes in, those, and, uh, in that vein. Um, he's also worked on Jackie Chan Adventures, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Batman the Brave and the Bold, all of those that we've done audio commentaries on on our Patreon, if you want to check those out. He's also worked on Godzilla the series, which is going to come up a bunch. He's worked on a couple of Futurama movies as oh. well. Yeah, and a whole bunch more. Like he's 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 done a lot of storyboarding mm. on a lot of major stuff. And I think just one kind of interesting thing when I was going through his credits, he mostly works in 2D animation. Like this show and Max Steel and then there's a couple of directed DVD movies I think are like the only 3D animation projects he really ever worked on. He still is mostly 2D. So, it's just kind of interesting because I know it's 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 a very different kind of thing you have to deal with. So mm-hmm. it is always funny to me to see a director who like doesn't really seem to specialize in 3D doing a 3D episode. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I'm I'm looking at some of these notable things, like particularly at the Futurama movies, like Futurama utilizes a decent amount of CGI. And I wonder if that's like a good thing to work on to sort of dip your toes in. Although the Max Steel stuff might've happened before those movies, depending on when those movies were. Yeah. Max Steel probably definitely did. Cause that was in the two thousands that that stuff was happening. But I feel like, so yeah, I mean, I guess you go from Max Steel to this or vice versa and mm-hmm. that makes sense and then he can pivot pivot right back to 2d stuff yeah well obviously everybody on this show is new to us uh as this is the first episode we're covering so major players even though there are plenty of people worth shouting out in this episode alone that aren't necessarily going to get a spotlight here um so we get peter parker and spider-man of course and uh he's voiced by neil patrick harris um who personal jury for me is still out and I, I don't think it's because of him necessarily, but we can, I think that'll be something that, that I am paying attention to as we cover this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, he, he, I feel like he has a Peter Parker like voice. Mm-hmm. I would love to know how he was directed. Oh, he doesn't I, just sound like Neil Patrick Harris. He's very specifically acting. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that they, they call him out on the featurette. They say like they, that he actually they didn't direct him very much. Interesting. This, this was pretty much all him. They said he didn't need to. They would just kind of give him what they wanted. So, hmm. yeah, hmm. I think it's. I, I do think I it's think worth. I think he's noting. better as Peter Parker than he is as Spider Man. Well, they also that's my take after a few episodes. 
I think so. I, I actually agree with you. Apparently but I think he's a good Peter Parker for the fact that he is supposed to be based on Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's going to be a weird thing about this show, I think. Subdued in like a really particular way, yeah. I guess. Yeah. They also apparently like pitch his voice down 4% when he's Spider-Man. Is oh my, g- I'm so glad you told yeah. me that because yeah. that dri- it's actually driving I don't like me it. nuts. I don't, I don't like, like it, it either. It's, it's it a sucks. choice I don't enjoy. And it's it's one of those things where it's very clear that he's doing something differently. Um, and he's already doing something differently. You don't need to pitch his voice down in yeah. addition to that. Like, I don't like it. It's 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 a very strange choice. So so far, I'm fine with him as Peter, and I I'm bothered by him as as Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the Spider Man thing almost it doesn't seem like it's even his fault because I feel like that pitching yeah. down like really affects it a lot. I know it does make me it does make me give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know exactly how much of it is him versus the pitching down at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. knowing that is helpful. So yeah. Anyway, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, it almost seems silly to say who he is, but I always assume somebody might not know who some of these people are. So mm-hmm. he's known for tons of stuff, but, but mostly you probably would recognize him either from Doogie Howser, the original series or Barney Stinson in how I met your mother or count Olaf in the Netflix version of a series of unfortunate events. Um, he also has been on Broadway in shows such as cabaret and Hedwig and the angry inch, uh, the latter of which earned him a Tony award for best actor in a musical. And he's won a bunch of Emmys for hosting the Tonys, <laughs> like yeah. multiple Emmys for hosting the Tonys, which is so pretty weird. wild. So he weird. also, I feel like he should be a more obvious candidate, not candidate, but like a, a, a more obvious, um, likely egot like eventual egot but oh, he's sure. not really that close actually he's only got two of them so and i don't think he's even been nominated for maybe an academy award it really surprised me huh. um because he, he seems like the exact sort of like model of person who would who would be able to do that anyway yeah. um as far as voice work goes he voiced todd andrews who is an hiv positive athlete on captain planet oh whoa yeah yeah which i think would have and, and and I know that HIV is not an exclusively queer thing, but I think that would have been before he was out. Uh, yeah, definitely, because that would have been like early nineties. Yeah, or yeah, nineties. I guess it's like ninety three or four or something. So yeah, Whoa. Uh, pretty interesting. And I don't think it was a queer character, which is an important thing to show on TV, but um, especially with regards to HIV stories. But like that, I just thought that was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like wow. I mean, one for them tackling it, but two for uh a story like that is that is so stigmatized and wrapped up in like queerness for somebody who wasn't even necessarily publicly out to be willing to tackle a story like that and then probably have people call him derogatory names as a result like it's just it's fascinating so good on him for doing it <laughs> and good yeah. on captain planet for tackling it for sure he also voiced a character named Replay, who is a former child actor turned clone-capable bang baby in uh, Static Shock. <laughs> he okay. uh, voiced Ray Thompson in a couple episodes of Justice League, uh, Prince Bubblegum in Adventure Time, and recently voiced uh, a character in the Star Wars Visions episode, The Twins, that I haven't watched yet, so I don't know how to say the name, but it's K-A-R-R-E. Car? Carrie? I, I saw it, but I don't remember how to pronounce <laughs> it either. It's been a while since I watched that. So that uh, that character. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it's interesting that like it's that he was cast in this at this time because he hadn't really like this this is post Doogie Hauser, so people mm-hmm. like the general audiences knew who he was, but he hadn't really done much 
after that yet. Like, I think when they were interviewing him, he was just sort of like, yeah, I just auditioned for this. Uh, I wasn't that interested because there's a lot of cartoons that I'm not like superhero cartoons. I'm interested in, but I, you know, I, I, it was a job. So I auditioned yeah. and he, and he was like, I done some books on tape and I'd done a couple of justice league episodes, but I hadn't really done much voice acting. So it wasn't like they were like trying to find Neil Patrick Harris specifically right. in the way that I'm I don't sure know that anybody was seeking out Neil right. Patrick Harris at this time. That's why I'm saying, I think it's really, I think it actually is kind of interesting. Like, I, I mean, he, he said that he was very surprised when he got the role sure. basically. And so I, do you think that this was like maybe kind of quietly like one of like the earliest beginning of his sort of like resurgence? Because then, you know, you start seeing him in more and then he like How I Met Your Mother, I think, like catapults him. Yeah. I guess what came first? Was Dr. Horrible or How I Met Your Mother first? I don't remember which. I feel like How I Met Your Mother might have been, but I don't know for certain. Yeah. I guess they were roughly around the same time, but yeah. like between those two things, it was sort of like, now everyone loves NPH. He's our, he's like, our gay icon again. It just, it depends on the context because he had gotten attention for doing Cabaret. True. That's which true. was well before the How I Met Your Mother stuff, I think. Yeah. But even then, I think this was before that though, wasn't it? Mm, or was I wish that I, I don't remember when the ca- when Cabaret specifically was. Yeah. I know Hedwig was definitely after he had like blown up again. Yeah, or yeah. blown up the first time. I mean, he really was just known as Doogie Hauser, you know. Right. So, but I think even still, like to get Doogie Hauser to play Spider Man yeah. when like you know most of your your typical like geek and or MTV audiences like are probably not paying attention to Cabaret if that was going on right. like i and wouldn't care about Doogie Howser like i think that that's that that's pretty cool that they did that you know yeah but that i mean this this whole i think this whole main trio is sort of like they're all kind of unconventional choices For even sure. though this this series has plenty of folks that we will recognize uh, these are not folks I would have expected to see outside of already knowing that Neil Patrick Harris provided one of these voices. So mm-hmm. um, we do get Mary Jane Watson and she's voiced by Lisa Loeb. Um, she is not primarily known for acting. She is primarily yeah. known as a musician, uh, which I guess shouldn't surprise me given this is an MTV production, I suppose. But um, it's still kind of interesting because yeah. voice acting is a very specific talent and she's good at it she says this isn't the only thing she's done but yeah. it's just not what she's known for what she's known for is a song called stay i missed you which was the lead single for the 1994 movie reality bites mm-hmm. which earned her grammy and mtv vma nominations yeah. um like that's that's primarily what she's wow. known for um, and she has won a grammy more recently but it was for a children's music album called feel what you feel which sounds wonderful yeah um wow. And she's appeared in plenty of television shows and movies, but she usually appears as herself. Like she usually just plays or quote plays herself. Like she cameos and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, like Fuller House, AP Bio, Gossip Girl, The Drew Carey Show, Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Like for as long as she has been famous, I guess, she's just been appearing as herself, which kind of cracks me up. That's so funny. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. It's just I, I, I think she's really good in this. Like, uh, I mean her Mary Jane isn't given a ton to do, but I mean like, yeah, you wouldn't have guessed that she's not like a voice actor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also, I mean, it is also worth noting that like, I think all these characters are subdued just based on when this show is happening. Yeah. So it, I, it is, I think all of them with maybe the exception of Neil Patrick Harris, because I know what he does elsewhere, you know, mm-hmm. I think they all fit in perfectly with what's going on. And I don't really have expectations outside of that. So I think she fits into this sort of like turn of the millennium 
more subdued version of Mary Jane, you know, yeah. would she, would she play a 2017 version very well? I don't know. She's not all that bombastic, but the character isn't written to be, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, we get Harry Osborne as well, who, if you had just shown me a character model, I never would nope. have guessed that's who this is. I oh, mean, the I only you? reason he looks the way he does, I suspect is because they didn't want to have two characters with red hair. I think that's part of it, but can I tell you another fun fact? I'm not, I'm sorry I have so many of these, but the DVD has so many like weird gems in the uh-huh. production of this show is wild. That wasn't his original like character design either. That was a completely different like bully character that I don't think that we've met yet in the show. And the, uh, and that I, mean, I would like have a, guessed he was Flash. <laughs> right. Well, it wasn't Flash. It was, but it was a like kind of a bully character that was probably inspired by Flash, I mm-hmm. guess. And then, but they just like liked that character design better than whatever they were coming up with with Harry. So they ended up flipping him. And so, they so we're going to see the Harry model. Yeah, we are. Oh, I'll yeah. double check who that is, but and I, I don't think that we've met him yet. Actually, am I going to even know? Is it is it a character named Doug? I think it might have been. I, oh, I'll, great. I'll check on that. <laughs> That's um, right. I'm used to fictional Dougs not being. Uh, yeah desirable uh characters <laughs> i might have just made that up but it's i'll i'll, I'll double check on that by the by the time we, we i mean meet that character model if he's meant to be a doofus a jerk or just an idiot like doug is a likely name that sure. they would use on a tv show so sure <laughs> that's usually where you're gonna find your dougs <laughs> yeah but like yeah they weren't designing this character model with harry osborne in mind they just like just made him harry osborne because they were like we like the look of this better than the other sure. guy and I, I mean yeah he doesn't look like any harry osborne nope. i've ever envisioned at all <laughs> nope not at all <laughs> his again the voice actor they have is fascinating because it's ian Ziering, who is famous for portraying steve sanders on beverly hills 90210 <laughs> and other 90210 related shows <laughs> so of weird. which there are many more than i realize um, as well as being the main character in all of the Sharknado films. Cool. Good like for him. He is the Close protagonist of the Sharknado franchise. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I'm not leading the franchise, so more power to you, dude. Well, and I I got nothing against that franchise. It knows sure. exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> as far as voice work goes, he was the voice of Matthew Broderick's character, Dr. Nico Totopoulos in the late 90s Godzilla animated series, which we've mentioned already and will continue to mention. Oh, yeah. Um, he also was the voice of Vinny, one of the titular biker mice in both the 90s and 2000s version of Biker Mice from Mars. <laughs> uh, and he was Wild Wing in the Mighty Ducks cartoon. But kind of, definitely not to the extent of Lisa Loeb, but like also not known for voice work. It's not his for primary sure. thing. Yeah, yeah. And just for you, Derek, he yeah. recently portrayed Blue Devil in the short-lived DC live-action series Swamp Thing. I tell you, I haven't seen that show. Uh, didn't know that was a thing. And now, yeah. uh, I mean, I was going to watch that show at some point and just mm-hmm. like never did. Um, it's way higher on my list. Just knowing that, uh, <laughs> that he appears yeah. in the show. Um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, Derek certainly doesn't know that this happened because you've mentioned a couple times. You wish would... that something like this would have happened. Well, to I some very degree. quickly Googled this while you were talking. And I mean, I'm sure it it's not like going to be what more... you actually wanted. Yeah, but... it's still not what I wanted, which is probably why I didn't really hear about. But it's still surprised that it never I guess nobody's nobody's thinks to tell me about Blue Devil stuff. So why would it be on my radar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll be watching that soon. Yeah. And then the last character that I'm going to spotlight in this episode, even though, again, lots of folks we know who will probably call out just as we're covering the episode, mm-hmm. is a character named Lewis Weiler, a.k.a. Turbojet, who 
I don't think gets a name officially outside of like Mm-mm. Peter just starts calling him that. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's like established, even though it, it kind of is like it's not established in the universe, but it's established for us, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's voiced by Harold uh, Perrineau, who primarily works in live action. And I recognized but didn't know what I recognized him from immediately. But then when I looked at his credits, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely know you because he is Link in the Matrix sequels. Uh, he was Mercutio in the Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, he was Augustus Hill in Oz. He was Michael Dawson in Lost. Yeah. He's Dean Simmons in Claws. And honestly, tons of other stuff. Like he's just a, he's one of those, I run into these every series at least once or twice. He's just one of those guys that I recognize mm-hmm. and, and don't immediately know. And then I'm like, oh, duh. You're yeah. in so much. <laughs> like, yeah. You're he's in always so very, much. He's always very good too. Yeah. I really, I really yeah. like him. I, I wanted to like him more in this episode, but yeah. I well, I don't think that has anything to do with him, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, voice wise, again, not a ton of voice stuff, but he did provide the voice of blade in the English dub of the Marvel anime blade series, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, Neat. yeah. There's definitely plenty of other voice actors that oh, we're yeah. gonna bring up as it goes along. I yeah. think that's gonna be common for this show. It's gonna be like that person's in this show. Mm-hmm. Like we're not gonna get a lot of the typical, <laughs> the yeah. typical uh, voice actor crew with with this show because well, and some of them wild. And some of them, if we had been covering this while it was happening, we wouldn't have thought to call out. Sure. Like, um like uh jane lynch thank you that's exactly who i was (laughs) thinking of in this like completely nothing role (laughs) yeah and i could tell it was her and so i was like oh fun jane lynch is in this and it didn't hit me until afterwards i was like oh wait jane lynch is in this and it wouldn't have registered with me at all at the time right (laughs) at all wild Wild. (laughs) anyway let's uh let's get into this episode Yes. So it opens at Empire State University, where a number of students and residents of a nearby apartment building called Vilroy Towers uh, are protesting a recently announced plan by ESU to expand into Villaroy, which would displace all of the tenants uh, with very little notice and zero assistance in their move. So basically, the university has said, we're taking your building uh, and you all need to vacate, which sucks a lot. That really sucks, ESU. Like, yeah fuck off shit. yeah that's <laughs> shitty i would be there protesting as well for sure and, <laughs> and they Peter- even make a note to say that like 90 percent of the people who live in that building work for the university so the university is displacing its own employees yeah. and not helping them move horrible which is what the terrible hell? yeah it's really bad what the hell esu jeez yeah. Well, you'd be there protesting, but Peter would be there <laughs> criticizing that because uh, he's taking pictures and he's like, there's some f- frustrating narration because he's like, uh, yeah, they're protesting. A lot of your wide-eyed student radicals would agree. Some just love a good protest. Uh, and, and there's a couple of points when it's just like, oh, I'm just not interested in that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't like it's it. It's a very – I don't like it either. And and I I, I – I don't think I would have liked it then either, but I'm like also not surprised that an MTV show in the early two thousands starts with him being like, whatever caring is stupid. Yeah. It's that vibe. It's, it's (laughs) It's very much that like 
late nineties, like kind of gen X, like, like end of history apathy, yeah. like everything's fine. You guys, why do you have so many problems? Yeah, I don't caring. have this problem. So who cares? Yeah. Caring is for losers. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I mean, a real jarring way to introduce us to Peter Parker. <laughs> it really is. I guess like it is true to some versions, like Ditko versions of him in the comics. Yeah. I know. I, I couldn't help think of some of those panels that he, that he had in there of protests yeah. and the things that people said about them. It's like, well, this is kind of in, in a particular tradition. Absolutely feels like that. And it's just, yeah. Uh, and it's, Oh God, it's so frustrating. And it, that comes up a few times in this episode. Honestly, all, all three of the leads kind of look bad at varying points when it comes to how they deal with uh, protests and stuff. Yeah, uh, but I don't we'll get there. I don't really, I think almost no one looks good by no, the end of this episode. Almost why, no one. I, I think the closest sucks. we get is like Mary Jane, probably comes out on top of the bunch oh but she has the but she has probably the lowest low yeah 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 worst line i've ever heard exactly oh my god dude yeah it's anyway we'll talk about it i I made a note for us to pause and talk about it please no dude me too uh it's like it's real bad yeah oof um yeah, so right off the bat, this show. Okay, I, I will give this show some credit, I guess, off the bat. Like, I do think the one thing this episode establishes right from the get-go is that, like, oh, yeah, we are at least going to kind of deal with some slightly more complicated things than your, like, Saturday morning cartoon fair would. Like, as mature as a lot of other ones do, it's not like their maturity is just, like, there's going to be darkness and death. It's, like, this idea of, like, people losing their homes and there being a protest and it's- – and that like that is that is something that I think is less likely to be tackled on another show. Yes. I hate how they tackle it. I be think real, I appreciate but. it's something they wanted to do. It feels like what the natural it feels like a not very well executed natural progression of what a show like Power Rangers or Captain Planet would have been doing. Right. Where it's like we're going to have an episode about protecting the environment. And, and that's what we're going to talk about is cleaning up the beach. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This show seems like it would then take that and be like, well, let's actually talk about how like a corporation is the, is the actual problem. It's not just us not picking up garbage, you know, like you can kind of see where it's like, well, let's do the college age version of some of these things. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Well, they want to tackle like the in retrospect. I don't know about how it played at the time, but like at least in retrospect, it's like you y'all really didn't think about how this, yeah, how how this would play out or what you were trying to say. They want to tackle the gray area of it all, and I I I appreciate that, but I but But why? I think it's really important to ask the question when you want to tackle the gray area of something. I think knowing the why is really important, and it's not a thing we'll ever know. But yeah. I think there's a difference between acknowledging nuance in these things and sort of like buying into the grayness, which is where I think Peter ultimately falls and what makes me not really like him at yeah. certain points. And weirdly, the honestly, the grayness that they land on in, in from a perspective in of a the superhero show, show, weirdly also sometimes make things even makes things even more black and white than I think yeah. that they wanted them to be. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, we'll I'll be really there. curious to see how that plays out throughout the whole show. Cause th- kicking it off this way was like, Oh, okay. No. All right. Yeah. Mm, not, <laughs> not a fun go. worldview, not a great <laughs> worldview here. Is it, is it, but appreciate that they want to have one. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Sure. It's like, it's like, um, it's a more grounded version of what Unlimited was trying to do in its two-part premiere, you know, where it was like, mm-hmm. we have a perspective. <laughs> yeah. We're acknowledging the social structure and classes and systems. <laughs> yeah. When it sticks with you, because again, it's unlike any other Spider-Man, even yeah. 
even if this was animated like you know more traditionally it's just the the vibe of it in terms of what it's trying to tackle is so radically different from any yeah. other cartoon you'd ever see so but yeah like i said peter's taking pictures for the bugle um he bumps into a custodial worker named lewis who despite living in Villa, uh, villaroy uh is like isn't interested in the protest and both of them like are very rude to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> um like peter isn't very nice to him yeah it's very contentious peter isn't nice to him because like the dude's just doing his he's just sweeping he's just doing his job and peter's like do you have to sweep right here where i am right now um <laughs> And the other guy's like, protests are stupid. Yeah. And just like, everyone's very unpleasant. But yeah. But he also it's... points out that he he doesn't like what the university's doing. So he yeah. he kind of has, it's funny, even though he and, and Peter are like in contention, they kind of have the same attitude, at least as they're introduced, you know? Sure. Sure. Also, I don't know if this show ever calls him Lewis. I just know that's what his name is. Or if yeah, they do, I they don't do. know that they introduce it very early on. They no, they they do call it, but it's it's not until I think because when his his friend like is inviting him out to pizza or whatever, like she calls him Lewis. Two thirds of the way into the episode uh-huh. or something. Yeah, which I yeah. guess you know make makes sense, but sure. Anywho, yeah. uh, Harry and MJ meet up with Peter uh, as he's just sort of watching on, and they kind of catch up on like what their day looks like. So Harry says he's got to go to an Oscorp board meeting because he is like the new primary shareholder in the wake of. Norman's death. Um, Peter is headed to a museum to snap some photos for the bugle. And MJ, uh, I guess, doesn't have plans. She's just mad that Peter won't hang out with her. Dude, Mary Jane in the show. Not making I, a great first impression. I And I think <laughs> if memory serves, I don't think that ever lets up. I think oh, Mary, the Mary yay. Jane Peter thing is just weird the whole time. Because, like, here's the thing. Uh, there's there's stuff about this show that I think it's like... It, it it since it's very tenuously like related to the Raimi movies, I think there are things where sort of like, well, we'll sort of take that, uh, take that little kernel from the movie and like expand upon it, right? And like the way that the Raimi movie ends is that like Mary Jane expresses her feelings towards Peter and Peter rebuffs her, and that's the way that, that movie lets off because Peter has to rebuff her because he's Spider Man and can't be with anyone. And the way this show I feel like takes that idea is sort of like, well, that means that Mary Jane is just going to be pining after Peter forever, right? That's just that's just her personality. And Which that's is like really what they double down on. If we want to talk about nuance, there is a difference between a woman knowing what she wants and pursuing it and a woman's only characteristic being pining after a man. Like those yeah. are not the same thing. <laughs> like right. Mary Jane in Spectacular knows what she wants and she pursues it, but it is not literally the only thing she does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's weird, too, because, like, they have this reinvention of Mary Jane. Like, I mean, it's reinvention from, like, the movie version, I guess. But, like, it's probably a little closer to the comics where she's, like, a little bit edgier. Like, kind of, like, they almost give her, like, marginally almost a goth aesthetic. But, like, well, she's got that cool, like, high contrast early 2000s vibe with, like, dark makeup, dark chokers, probably dyed hair, but, like, very pale. Yeah. uh, Like, complexion and, you know, pastels mixed with dark clothing. Like, it's... Well, and, and Lisa Loeb's performance is a lot more like, I don't know, just feel, I I don't know why I keep saying edgy, but like, it feels like that's what they're going for. Right. Like she's not like a soft love interest character. Like she's meant to be like cool and hip and like one of the guys. Um, and so like the, the weird flirty, uh, pining after Peter thing, like almost doesn't fit the character that they seem to have created. Like what little of a character there is, the aesthetic of the character, it doesn't really fit what they try to do with her. Like anytime she's not 
pining with people. Yeah, the visual storytelling that they have with her does not match what they're writing her to be. Um, And I feel like that stuff is coming purely from the Raimi movies because some of the stuff she does feels like it, it could be what Kirsten Dunst could pull off really well based on the yeah. the Mary Jane they wrote for her, you know, whether you like yeah. it or not. This doesn't feel like a Mary Jane that should be doing that. <laughs> Honestly, I think my thesis for this show going forward, I think is going to be that anytime that they try to have a more direct link to the Raimi movie, it ends up not working in some way. I mean, I've only seen a couple episodes and I already agree with that. Yeah. Like even like when they, when they introduce like Mary Jane, it's, it's, I feel like it's a very intentional, like harkening back to the Raimi movie because it's Peter taking pictures of her and being like, God, I wish I was, I wish I was just with her. Right. And that feels, I don't know, like even that like felt out of place with like the vibe that they're introducing otherwise. Like it felt like it was a reference to that movie. It didn't feel like, a thing that this Peter would necessarily do, you know? Yeah. I think that connection is going to hold this show back. I was actually really surprised that even just like the suit isn't the movie suit. Like that yeah. really surprised me. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. it's not. I mean, it's fine that it isn't cause it's not my favorite suit, but I just am surprised. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think it's going to be less connected than I expected it to be. And those connections are going to stick out like sore thumbs. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well... Outside the museum where Peter is taking pictures and there's this presentation happening about like a new exhibit, um, this guy in like a high tech space sort of looking suit uh, who looks remarkably similar to Lewis (laughs) zooms in and steals what is called the star ruby, which is just this massive ruby uh, from the museum. (laughs) No one knows what happened. Naturally, Peter's like, okay, I mean, I guess Spider-Man time. So he suits up and he chases after this guy in this sort of like high tech jet spacesuit thing but the man is able to use the suit's ability which is seemingly uh the ability to like attract and repulse things i kind of initially thought it had something to do with mass manipulation Mm. but we see some stuff later on that clarifies it's really purely just about like repulsing and attracting which is less clear to me but whatever sure um he uses this ability to like throw a truck at some onlookers and so spider-man is like well i gotta save them uh, and the guy gets away and Spider-Man's like, what the fuck just happened? Which <laughs> was my reaction too. I did not know who this was supposed to be. It's, it's, this is made for the, is, this person's made for the show, right? He is. I've seen a lot of people online. I don't, mm, 
I've seen people online say that they think that he is meant to be kind of a rocket racer XP, but I okay. feel like, and I kind of, but nobody, nobody like from the production confirmed that. And it's also sort of like, but are you just saying that because it's like a black guy with technology? Like, is that, cause there isn't that um, much more to it. I feel like. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's certain, that's certainly part of it. I also think the fact that he, he is supposed to, though I think they fail at this, supposed to be a grayer type of character that maybe isn't as strictly in the camp of good guy or bad guy, and they sort of explore that dynamic through what he's doing, and it's perceived as via need, because a system Mm -hmm. is sort of oppressing either him or people he cares about, which kind of is at least the 90s show tackling some of the rocket racer stuff you know so i could i could kind of see that but i also wouldn't be surprised if people just saw a black guy who has like speedster (laughs) stuff and was like ah it's rocket racer right right yeah but yeah other but for all intents and purposes this is a new character yeah luckily spider-man does see that when he escapes he has at least escapes toward villaroy towers so he at least has a lead yes yes he goes to villaroy tower towers uh, he investigates and he like asks some of the residents there, like, "Hey, have you seen a bad guy?" And they're like, "What are you doing? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you harassing us? We're just trying to keep our homes." And then they sh- throw a You're bunch of shit. You're the bad guy. It's so weird. It's just they portray like the protesters and people who are like mad about, be- rightfully mad about being kicked out of their homes, is like just like really nasty in this episode, even when we're like supposed to be on their side there. Everyone's just like really gross. I don't even know that it's clear that we're supposed to be on their side. Sometimes, sometimes they're just so unlikable that you're like, I think maybe the show thinks we're supposed to think they're irrational for being kicked out of the place that they live. Like Like, I feel like it's it's my, it's my own moral compass that tells me I should uh, empathize with them but i don't Maybe, feel like yeah. the show is making me feel that way they just like throw their groceries <laughs> at him they i love that you put this in the notes because they were it was also in my notes they throw a fucking baguette at him well i had like, to it, it's your rule of groceries in mm-hmm. television that Always they are not groceries if there's not a baguette yeah and there was but not anymore because they lost what, like you just went to the grocery store and now you're checking it all this random dude that's like standing on a wall and talking like yeah so uh what are you doing <laughs> like, can i just say how mad I, I was that they were throwing groceries at all yes yeah and, that's what i'm saying and the fact that like i mean one they're like about to lose their home like and they're throwing their groceries and two like only one of them had groceries which means the other two people were taking that person's <laughs> groceries and throwing them at spider-man oh my god how dare you <laughs> and the baguette that's not even packaged you ruined that baguette yep yep <laughs> It's it's really abrupt. And the show and you know, if this is meant to be the first episode of the show and it, it sounds like it was, they really don't establish this at all. They're really no. banking on you knowing that people tend to not like Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Or might it's, not, you know. It's I don't think it's a very good first episode for a lot of reasons. I think no. it's a I mean, I just like it's weird to me because I mean, again, this wasn't aired as the first episode, so ultimately it didn't end up mattering, but like 
every they keep saying that it was intended to be the first episode it doesn't really feel like it i don't think like there's a there, if they there's tell a few, us it is i'm gonna treat it like it is yeah and there's a few bits of really like awkward exposition throughout it like yeah. that that does make it feel like a first episode but as like the teaser to a first episode it like it doesn't work if you compare it to like the 90s show which was also supposed to 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 come off of a movie that was in the mm-hmm. making or spectacular spider-man even which also like didn't have like an origin story in the first episode yeah. like this just is sort of like i mean again it's i know it's banking off of you seeing the the Raimi movie that j- had just come out but like other shows that were also right like kind of riding that same wave like did it way better it's just uh yeah yeah i i i there are definitely going to be episodes of the show that i think are going that are that are going to be better uh and i don't think we're going to be this negative on like every single episode of the show i think this is just a particularly not good episode and it just sucks that it's also <laughs> the first episode well well let's get to more of what's going on here yeah. um so we get a news re- after the opening sequence. Do you have oh, any yeah, comments yeah. on the opening sequence? I, I, think I only half watched fun. it because I actually, I, since I've never seen the show, if I've never mm-hmm. seen a show, I don't love watching the opening sequence, but I kind of half watched it because I knew we would talk about it. I mean, yeah, um, it's super short. Mostly because I just, it, they, they, it just tells me everybody who's going to show up. Yeah. So I no mean, one's totally going to be a surprise, does. which is a bummer. Yeah, uh, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I think the song's cool for being a two thousand. Like, it's I mean, it's a very two thousand and three beat. Like, don't get me wrong, uh, but you know, I think it's kind of fun. It, it fits the vibe of the show. That's it. I I it's it's a memor. I think it's a memorable uh, song. I guess maybe not. Maybe it's just because I've seen it. If it's a memorable song, I wouldn't call it a memorable opening. It's a very generic opening. Yeah. The opening is just a bunch of clips, and yeah. so, and sometimes they work well with the music. Most of the time, it's just random action things. So, yeah. it's a it's a perfectly adequate opening, I think. Yeah. Cool song, perfectly adequate uh, opening. Yeah, and but it's very short, so whatever. Yeah, and I I can't imagine we're gonna see any variation on it since we just got the one season. So. Mm-hmm. Well, later we like later in the in the day of this episode, we get a news report that shares that the Star Ruby was found at Villaroy Towers and the the presumed story that is being reported is that it was dropped there or that it was lost there when uh the person who took it, this turbojet character or this spacesuit guy, uh, was running away from the police or Spider-Man. So, everybody's assuming like, "Oh, he just dropped it." And the residents, they're assuming, found it and returned it and are using the reward money to fund their fight against ESU. So that's kind of like how the news is reporting the story, but it's clear that people are already kind of interpreting it differently because there's a cop who's voiced by Ed Asner, who was like immediately recognizable. I was like, yeah. wait, this is so weird. This is not Jonah. <laughs> like, no. What is happening? Um, but there's a cop who kind of sees it a particular way because he knows that Spider-Man was there. And then we, we cut to Harry and Peter's apartment who are watching this news story. And they're kind of already talking about whether or not this Turbojet character is a Robin Hood type or not. Mm-hmm. Mary Jane kind of endorses the idea that Turbojet actually intentionally left the ruby there whereas other people maybe don't believe that immediately so there's already conversation about like is he actually kind of a good guy or is he not a good guy we're not really sure but everybody's got an opinion about it yeah i also love the very awkward exposition of like harry i get that you think spider-man killed your father he definitely (laughs) did like and they just casually bring it up and it's just like Uh this traumatic thing that i'm sure happened maybe like probably six months to a year ago i guess in the timeline of the show yeah and they're just like casually like 
oh yeah, my dad was murdered by a guy that I hate. And you take pictures mm-hmm. of him. There's not, there's, there's no trauma or anything though. We're fine. It's also just, just a terrible awkward. thing to bring up out of the blue. I know you hate him it's because so specifically you think he murdered your father. Yeah. Like you don't need to say that part. Right. <laughs> you, you don't need to say that part. That's I get that you of, don't like Spider-Man. That's it. That, that's all. That's <laughs> the kind of thing. And there's another line towards the end of the episode too. The kind of thing where like, I could have, I could totally see the script having been written and then they just went back and like just added a couple of movie references and Someone they called gave it a day. Some notes like, mm, could you just make sure this is in here a little bit? Yeah. Cause it just feels so completely out of place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that'll come up too. They, they won't uh, let us forget that Harry hates Spider-Man for that very reason. Right. So the, the sort of, th- where Peter falls on all of this is he doesn't quite understand why people are taking to Turbojet as like a Robin Hood type when he sees him as clearly breaking the law when everybody gets on Spider-Man's case for being a vigilante. Like he doesn't understand why, what the difference is or where the nuance is. And that's a thing that he will not learn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even when you think he's learning it, he's not. <laughs> nope. 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 Um, the other thing I don't like is the, the weird, the bizarre sexual tension between Mary Jane and Peter. I just, they just don't, is it weird to say like two animated characters like don't have kept on stream chemistry because I feel like they don't. I don't personally. think it's weird, but I, I also think it is. I think it, I would be willing to make the claim that it has to do largely with the animation. I think it's really hard to make these characters feel intimately connected. Maybe the show will prove me wrong later in the season, but I don't know where they would find that opportunity given that I don't think they're going to really like commit very far into this or it doesn't sound like it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't know. I think, I think some of the limitations just purely on what they're able to to animate is causing some problems too because you know they they have they focus a lot on facial expressions so you get that but like their body language is always going to be awkward and weird and i think body language matters when you're showing how characters (laughs) like feel about each other (laughs) especially when it's a thing like this where it's sort of like we're gonna add so much innuendo to it and i don't don't even remember what the lines are but it's like she's like sometimes don't you just like go with your like decide based on your feelings or something like that while she has them like back to the wall which i do like the kind of gender swap because it's usually the other way around but like it's like the woman has the guy pinned to the wall yeah so like it's that's feels different positioning works yeah but their Um, body language like the the little detailed body language is awkward because once the position is there I mean, there's not a lot more going on. Like she just has him pinned there. Like that, yeah. that is, that is it. <laughs> yeah. And then she just, you know, adjusts the, to the flat screen. And it's like, that's what I meant. Going with what you feel as in hanging a flat screen TV. Oh, look at that innuendo. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it's just like to be a tease, I guess with him. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, they're making, they're making her make constant advances and him be too stupid to understand them. Yeah. It happens or, multiple times. In this or episode. is he too stupid? Because that's the thing that confuses me is that sometimes it's played off like he's well, stupid and oblivious. Sometimes they're trying to, again, kind of play up the Raimi movie ending where it's just like, but he knows that he can't be with her. So he it could, rebuffs it. And it's it could be both. Either. It could be both because it could be <sighs> superhero clear. alter egos. It, well, it's not clear, but like Harry, who doesn't know he's Spider-Man, 
believes that Her- that Peter's too stupid to, to see the signs, right? So we're going to get that from people who don't know he's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has to play into that because he has to pretend he doesn't get it. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess so. It's but it, But it should be clearer to us as an audience. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, at Oscorp, this is when we meet Jane Lynch, the random CEO lady. <laughs> yeah. She's just one like board member who's there with another dude, but she's asking Harry to announce Oscorp's involvement uh, in support of the ESU expansion in an attempt to bridge the effort uh, with the student body because Harry is a student there. So therefore, if a student's there being like, I, a student, say that this ESU expansion is good, then everything will be fine, right? Dumb plan. No one's going to like that. What and are you Harry knows about? it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I don't think that's going to work. You guys like that's I, I get what you're doing, but bad idea. Um, but he agrees when the board members reveal an additional detail that Norman actually wanted to donate Galileo's telescope, what? which is a thing he owns, apparently, um, to uh, kind of fundraise for the expansion through an auction. Yes. Which there's more to later. But I will say when I first watched it, I was like, I don't understand why. This right. matters, but it actually does. They do clear it up later. So yeah. good on them. Yeah. But it makes it look hair at the moment. It makes Harry look really bad because yeah. he's just like, oh, so more money's involved. That, then never mind. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, hey, that's checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally does. Yeah. Well, later that night, Spider-Man records a video diary. Is this a thing that keeps will this will this continue? Will he continue to make video diaries? I don't remember, actually. I so maybe that means no. want him to like it's I don't know that <laughs> yeah. it's necessarily like an especially inspired mechanic but it's one that works and if you're not going to have him be an especially chatty inner monologue type Spider-Man mm-hmm. then like doing the di- like the video diaries I think could have worked and yeah. it, it would have given us some opportunities to get the insight that we feel like we're missing but it's yeah. a bummer if they don't keep doing it because I think it kind of works here as like a little interlude. Right. Way to break things up. So he records a video video diary where he reiterates feelings of bitterness about how people like TurboJet, but not him. And just as he's starting to like think of ways that he might be able to rehab his own image, his spider sense alerts him to another TurboJet theft. This time, however, it goes pretty horribly wrong because in TurboJet's attempt to steal what I think is just a book, like I think he's just stealing like an old book. Um, he accidentally electrocutes a security guard, like pretty horrifically. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty it's bad. Not it's not good. Uh, this is this is again a thing that I I will give credit for in that this is obviously a thing that like you couldn't do on a Saturday morning cartoon, right? And like not that I just need all my stuff to get, be dark, but the this is the kind of like more ambiguous thing that I feel like it's it's that they can tackle, you know, that it's like uh somebody getting like seriously injured and like at the moment we think that he, we very well could assume that the dude's dead, you know, until it's clarified later on yeah. um, that someone gets injured in a superhero battle and sort of the ramifications of that. I don't feel like yeah. they deal with it very well, but you know, uh, I don't, it, yeah, I don't think they deal with it very well, but I will say, I do think this is the best example of them incorporating violence that they can't on a Saturday morning cartoon. Cause right. there are other instances where they incorporate violence that I think are just there because they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully more of it falls on this side of things than the other, but right. right. It's like, <laughs> we'll they're for like, they're for a reason actually trying to like make some kind of a statement by, yeah. by using it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, well, after his sort of brief chase and run in at a mannequin factory, <laughs> which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wild. All right. Um, I mean, I like the lighting of it because it's super dark. Yeah. Like it's, it's all dot kind of in, in these really cool shadows and everything mm-hmm. that does make it a little, a little, like I wish that they'd been able to pr- play up the creepiness a little better, but I don't know if they even really could have. Yeah. I um, mean, this justifies what they were talking about where they said there were things that they wanted to be able to do with light that would have been a lot harder in 2d. Yeah. I mean, you could, you can do this in 2d. It just would have been harder. Yeah, and and the vibe is really different. I mean, that's that's the thing that I, th- I think the show is always generally very good at is is lighting and shadow and stuff. So this is uh, an example of that. But uh, after this run in, Turbojet accuses Spider Man of quote blindly following the rules, and uh, Spider Man basically calls Turbojet careless and as a result dangerous. See the security guard that got electrocuted violently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Turbojet outsparts Spidey though and gets away once again. He outsparts him yes. by like take putting his helmet onto a mannequin and then leaving, which yeah. valuable technology that you're just ditching for a getaway. Mm-hmm. But, wow. I didn't think that the I mean the episode doesn't really dwell on it, but I didn't think the episode was even going to acknowledge it, but they they kind of do passively mm-hmm. uh later on, which surprised me. Yeah. So the next day, the protesters celebrate a donation that folks presume can be attributed to TurboJet's latest theft because he did get away with that book. So we begin to see what's going on here. TurboJet will steal something and then he will either leave it for somebody to gain a reward from or he will sell it off somewhere and donate the money or he'll just donate it to them and then they can sell it or something. But that's kind of what he's doing and and the pattern has been established here. And And people seem to know this or at least suspect this, which is kind of wild considering he's not really like a secretive figure. Like they all call him by name. They all know what he looks like. I understand that they can't just catch him, but it's like a pretty out in the open thing he seems to be doing. Yeah. Well, which means they shouldn't, they shouldn't feel comfortable, not even morally, but just like logistically, they shouldn't feel comfortable using that money for anything because it's all technically stolen. But again, they, I don't think they're afraid of making the protesters very unlikable and morally yeah. ambiguous. It seems like. Well, so. and but I also think that they, like, I also don't know that they even thought about it very Probably much. Not. You I know what I mean? Because so. like, I, I, th- well, let's get, we'll get into it later because there's going to be more stuff. I think ultimately there's a point at which we need to just like stop down and talk about like the <sighs> character of TurboJet, and I don't know that we're there yet. Yeah, yeah, but I that's think- what TurboJet seems to be doing, and that's what everybody in the universe seems to understand that TurboJet is doing. Yes. So among the people celebrating this latest donation based on a TurboJet theft is MJ. Like she is, she is fully on the side of like, yes, he is doing good. This is awesome. Like fuck ESU for doing this, uh, and and let's 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 get him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peter challenges her, bringing up the fact that TurboJet just sent a guy to the hospital on accident. Like <laughs> he just was was sort of reckless and sent a guy to the hospital for being he was electrocuted. In a co- I think he specifies that the dude's in a coma. Like the security yeah, oh, he guard did. that yeah. got electrocuted is in a coma. Yeah, yeah. So this TurboJet guy put him put a guy in a coma on accident. Like just just a guy who was there. I mean, I know he was a security guard. But like it, he wasn't going there to clash well, with it, anyone. He was just stealing in, a book. Right? It wasn't in a fight. Like the, I think if right. I remember it was correctly, not. the dude's literally just standing there and then it, the, yeah. an explosion happens. Purely and collateral damage. He didn't even know what was going on. Right. Yeah. He's electrocuted from behind. So he doesn't yeah. even know what happened to him. Yeah. Here's what I'm certain both of us were referencing. Uh-huh. 
MJ's lowest moment, and we have to break this down at least a little bit. MJ's to. reply to the fact that Peter points out that Turbojet accidentally put a guy in a coma is, and I quote, a cop on a high-speed chase runs over a civilian. How is that any different? <laughs> what? Okay, let me ask you a question. What did the writers of this show think the point she was making was? I think that it is just, okay, there's a couple of directions and go in this, but I think looking at this in as much of a vacuum as I can for the scene, if they're mm-hmm. writing it, I think they're just saying like, it's fine if a cop runs over a civilian. Because the cop is did. doing good, right? That's right. what it sounds like she's saying. I if think Turbojet is doing something good and accidentally put a guy in a coma, the ends justified the means. Right. And she's comparing that to a cop running over a civilian in a high-speed chase. Which, no, that's not... A, that's fucked up. It's a horrible. That is truly fucked like, up. It's also, she's like, God, she picked, like, one of, like, the most violent possible answer, too. Like, she didn't even say an ambulance. She didn't even say an ambulance hit a, hits a civilian. Yeah. Which I think more people would be willing to, to uh, uh, prescribe some grayness to. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. this is a fucked up example. And I was trying to, like, wrap my head around how it couldn't be as fucked up. And the only thing I could really think of is, like, and this doesn't make it better, but, like, if she is trying to make an argument that other people make, that would, that, like, like, if she's trying to say, like, Peter, you are pro-police, because I think this Peter Parker and Spider-Man sound like they are a little bit, right? Or Or at least has a working relationship with the police. Um, is not necessarily super duper combative with the police yet. Um, if, if, if that's reflected in Peter's attitude, the only way I could see it not being the worst thing anyone says in this episode (laughs) is if she's trying to say, you would argue that that is okay. So why is this different? Which is still bad because then she's basically saying it's fine that Turbojet put a guy in a coma. Like, right. It's just, it's, it's a terrible thing to say and it's, wild they wrote this into the episode for one of our protagonists who is supposed to be a universally loved character well and here's another another angle that i was thinking about when i was watching it because there was another red flag line earlier on that i that bothered me that makes me think differently about it but worse (laughs) makes me think of mj even worse or not mj even worse makes me think of the show's perspective being even worse so earlier on there was a a, when they're talking about protests at the very beginning of the episode like mary jane's all like peter you should you should like protest with me like she's very pro protest basically is how they try to introduce her you should protest with with me it's fun and peter's like protests aren't supposed to be fun and she's like when you're with me it is you know flirting with them but the framing being like she just sort of is treating the pro like she's pro protest, but she's like kind of treating it like it's a fun, almost just kind of a fun event thing. Like, not yeah, let's really find a protest seriously. to go to. Right. Which, you know, that's a real thing in real life. Right. That's a, that's a thing worth criticizing. Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, then she has this line where it's sort of like where she's it. I, maybe I could argue if the if the show isn't trying to be like very pro cop it could be saying that like this is the extreme lengths that mary jane is is thinking about right that like by being a, like a pro protest person this is the natural uh you know escalation of that is that like well anything can like a cop can run over someone as long as uh as long as it's helping our cause right anything can happen and then you couple that with like some 
uh, some some scenes later, like later on, where there's like criticism of the protesters, like only doing it for the pizza or whatever. Mm-hmm. It almost kind of feels like the grand thesis of this episode is that people who protest are like fucking psychopaths, basically, yeah. who are only doing it for the fun, doing it for the drama. Don't give a shit whoever gets killed as long as it's like for whatever their stupid little cause is mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, like, yeah. so either Mary Jane is a character fucking sucks or the show thinks Mary Jane fucking sucks because all protesters fucking suck. I think the show thinks that cops are good and that, <laughs> that collateral damage in policing is something we should accept. And then I think that affects how they write everything else. But if they think that collateral damage in policing is okay, then like, I guess then why is turbo jets collateral policing collateral damage bad? Is it just well, because his intention is bad? Because they it? royally fuck up writing the character of turbo jet. They yeah. don't know what they're doing with turbo jet. I would argue. Uh, yeah. Cause I think where they start with him is not at all out. where they end with him. And it, and the change makes no sense. That's very true. Very true. So uh, I, I know that doesn't answer your question, but I do think it, it, it almost, I think what it says is there is no answer because I don't know that they thought about it that way and should and no matter what direction you think about it, it's all bad. Like there's it's no charitable, bad. there's no charitable reading yeah. of any of it. It's really bad. It, when, when she said that I stopped and I rewound cause I was like, I certainly heard that incorrectly. Right. He doesn't like it's so it's, it's like a clunky it's wild line. Too. It's too. not even just the fact that this is in 2003, right? Like, that's certainly part of it, but also like that's still a fucked up thing to say, even if you are pro cop. Yeah. Yes. But, like you should at least pause. <laughs> even if you are pro cop, you should at least pause. <laughs> to right, be like, is this do I think this is okay? <laughs> like, would it still be like a tragedy if that happened? Like it's just like the, yeah, the clunky the clunky writing of the it's line. The dismissiveness it's dismissiveness like, she has. It's right. No, that yeah, that's exactly the problem. It's so dismissive. It's just like that's no big deal, right? Like y- yeah, yes. It yes. Is. Even if it is even a big if deal. I even if I believe <laughs> that a cop should be able to run over a civilian in a high speed chase, that's still like, but you should well, absolutely try not. That's like the worst case scenario though, right? Well, what's like, wild too is this is a superhero show, not an anti-hero show. It is explicitly a superhero show about one of the most famous superheroes with one of the strongest senses of guilt uh, in the game. And so if you're watching Spider-Man, you likely understand that we are never supposed to root for Spider-Man justifying the ends through any means necessary, right? So like, why would we buy that for anybody else? Like it really does make her sort of like antithetical to the idea of even Spider-Man. Yeah. It's really, it's very bizarre. It's very strange. I hate it. It's, it's, it's potentially one of the worst things anyone said on any of the shows we've ever watched. Like it is, it's really bad. I, it's, uh, and I hate that she's the one who says it. It's not even like Harry who, who, you know, at least is often portrayed as like any means necessary to succeed type of character, you know? Right. Even, even on this show, it's like they, they portray him as kind of a jerk, maybe with a heart of gold sometimes, you know, like Mary Jane should be the most likable character outside. I mean, Peter should be really, but if he's not going to be Mary Jane should be the most likable character. And, uh, yeah. Yikes. This is not a good way to establish her. It's I think this this speaks to what I was talking about where like the why of 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 
exploring grayness matters a lot because this feels like the type of thing they probably put in as like, this is a morally gray thing, right? Uh Well, I mean, maybe, but I don't think it's doing, I don't think it's serving what you think it's serving. Oh my God. This episode isn't very good. This episode is a mess. This episode is a mess. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Well, anyway, not a good start. (laughs) Their, their argument over this is interrupted when Harry decides to break it to them that Oscorp is responsible for the ESU expansion and demolition of Villaroy. Um, but he's forced to yell over the crowd who's getting more and more riled up. But when one of the crowd notices what he's saying, they all shut up and he just screams that Oscorp is responsible for the whole mess. Bad timing, buddy. Cool. Cool. And all the while, Lewis is looking on. Yeah. And, you know, all the protesters throw shit at them. And, yeah. you know, because protesters are just on a, on a hair trigger and then they'll yeah. attack you. Yep. <sighs> yep. This episode hates protesters a lot. I, it does. It, I, it, I, I, I wanted to be I, I wanted to be more optimistic when we started. But the, every scene, it's like, wow, no, it just hates no. protesters. Full on, straight up. Cool. Yeah, no, the protesters are are made to be crazy people. Oh, God. Cool. So later at their apartment, uh, their very huge, nice apartment Swanky that Peter and Harry live in, by the way. Yeah. Um, Peter looks at a picture of Uncle Ben and also Aunt May and possibly her only appearance in this entire show in that photo. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if that photo <laughs> even appears again. Um, he dramatically suits up. That's actually kind of a neat little montage because it's, he's like in a giant attic in this apartment. Um, yeah, the, the apartment has like a bell tower. <laughs> sure. It looks like. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, or it's some cool. Sort of tower. It's cool. It's a little montage set to some techno music. He thwips off into the night. I wish this happened, and maybe it will. But I wish that I wish that these little interludes happened more. I feel like it would it would serve the show. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I know that it would technically interrupt the flow of things, but I think that the show might actually be served by some of those interruptions mm-hmm. um, to just like do a cool thing. You know how like anime will often have like little things before and after commercials. Oh, the eye catches. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. eye catches exactly. I I feel like this show would benefit from that. Not even necessarily just where commercials breaks are, but just like in between scenes. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's how I'm feeling about it at the moment. If they overdo it, maybe I'll feel differently. But I have mm-hmm. a feeling they won't. I think I think they'll underutilize it. <laughs> yeah. Well, at Villaroy Towers, a woman named Jelena stops by Lewis's apartment as he works on the turbojet suit, which is, by the way, the first time they confirm he is turbojet, even though we can see his face. In a superhero show, I do feel like you kind of have to explicitly say so uh, mm-hmm. for it for it to be accepted as part of the story. So this is where we get officially he is he is Turbojet, and they argue over whether the protest committee is productive or not. This is where they talk about like the pizza, right? Where she says, "Hey, the protest committee is meeting, and there's pizza, which is like a totally normal thing." And his response is like, "Fuck that! I'm not in it for pizza." <laughs> like, okay, buddy, calm down. <sighs> but but. But what's what's so weird is like I do actually think his character still makes sense to this point, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, okay, he they established early on that he is is pissed that ESU is going to take his home away, but he also feels like the protesters are not productive. That's sure. a fine thing to think. I think it's yeah. fine to be to think critically about what a protest is doing because oh, like for sure protests and and advocacy groups have to have goals, right? So like if he, if his viewpoint is that this is 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 a is a group without goals, fine, whatever. It doesn't even yeah. necessarily mean that it's true, but like that's his perspective and it's been consistent throughout. So this makes sense, right? And mm-hmm. it also explains why he 
is stealing stuff as Turbojet to then help this group that he views as kind of helpless <laughs> push right. forward, especially if if it is known that he doesn't, as, as Lewis, believe in what they're doing, or not believe in what they're doing, but believe that they're productive, right? So he's kind of just going behind their back and like pushing them the way that a parent might a bike. Right. But anyway, they're arguing over the whether the protests are, are valuable, and he, he obviously falls on the side of, no, they are not. And she's kind of like, well, that sucks. What I think sucks is that we don't get more of Jelena because she seems cool. <laughs> and she's voiced by Cree Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I will say that's that's not the only character Cree Summer voices. I mean, she voices I mean, a, a, the teacher in this episode. It would be criminal if it were the yeah. only one. <laughs> but I, but I know that like she she does some voice work on this show. I don't, cool. I don't remember if she plays a major character or not. But she at least is like I think I think even their teacher like appears multiple times. Yeah. So like we will see more of her, even though I do think uh, Jelena is pretty cool. Yeah. But oh yeah. well. I also I want to point out that this show gives both of these characters natural hairstyles, uh, which I think is pretty cool. They're both oh, black yeah. characters, uh, and in CGI, that's not necessarily, especially in 2003, I'm sure was not necessarily an easy thing to do, but they clearly were committed to doing it. Yeah, that's a good call. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. So good on them. Yeah, especially when we talk about like whether or not these shows even represent people of color at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, there are two black characters in this episode. And that's honestly, sadly, more than you can say mm-hmm. for some other shows we've watched. Yeah, that's true. That's yep. true. Ugh, low bar. Bars in hell. Anyway. Bars in um, hell. <laughs> yeah, but um, did you mention the Spidey noticing his light thing? No, he's like watching outside the window because he kind of suspects that something about Villaroy is connected to all of this. And mm-hmm. so he's been watching Villaroy and he does notice a blue light similar to that of Turbojet's suit coming from Lewis's window. Yeah. So he, he, you know, waits around and when Lewis leaves, he decides to tail Lewis. A thing that I do like that they do with Spider-Man in this, at least in this episode, pro- I probably throughout this show too, is like, I really like how they portray Spider-Man like following people quietly and like stalking in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it uses, it uses their shadows really Stealth. well. Stealth. Yeah, uses yeah. Well, that yeah, all the Spidey stealth stuff. It's cool because I think they're really smart to like not give him any sound effects when he's being stealthy. So there is this creepiness to seeing this like Spider-Man silently crawling on things in the background mm-hmm. of stuff and in the shadows and like perched up against the moon and stuff like that. Like I think that 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 works perfectly with uh, with the show's style. Doesn't hurt that their animation isn't the smoothest. So he's kind of got like jerky crawling motions yeah which it just worked, makes it, it creepier it. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah creepy spider-man in the show like i kills yeah. it i love that but yeah so he follows lewis to the alley where uh lewis receives a commission from a mysterious suit and uh shares his next intended target that aforementioned galileo telescope okay so this, oh okay i have a question for you because i yeah. don't understand what's happening in this interaction no, because I don't either. <laughs> what the episode has established to this point is that Lewis, who does not want to publicly support the protesters, has been secretly stealing things to fund the protesters or at least the effort against ESU. Right. Yeah. That to this point has been the relationship and the pipeline that we're operating in. Mm-hmm. So then when he comes in here and he's receiving a commission for succeeding at a job, what is the job he's succeeding at? Because I don't fucking no. 
because they already got the donation. So it's not like he's selling the book that he just stole to this person, getting the money and then taking that money to the protesters. It, it, it seems it, it's too. very heavily implied that he is personally benefiting from whatever he's doing. Like that money is, is going to Lewis, right? That's the impression you got. Yeah. It seems like it. So like, I don't understand. And then why would he be identifying to this random anonymous suit that his next hit is this Galileo telescope? And why would that suit tell him not to do that? Oh, maybe. Okay. Cause maybe like the Ruby drop, maybe the Ruby thing, like this is not, this is, this is because the episode's messily written and needed to be tightened up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Maybe like the Ruby thing really was an accident. He actually didn't mean to drop it. Um, but at the other, like the book and, and what he's going to do with the Galileo thing, he is selling them to the highest bidder. And the suit guy is like the intermediary between who's buying it, but he gets a cut of the commission and then donates mm. the rest of the money to the protesters. Why wouldn't they just say that? That's such an easy thing to establish it's, because, because then this episode isn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause this I... whole scene, this whole scene entirely fucks up turbo jet. It's so confusing because to this point, I'm actually like kind of on the side of turbo jet. Like too, he's, yeah. he's, he's messy. Like he's not, he's not finessing what he's doing at all. He put a guy yeah. in a coma on accident, but he is a Robin hood figure. He's literally mm-hmm. stealing. I mean, I don't love that he's stealing like historical artifacts, but he is he's stealing these like ridiculous things that are in museums anyway, right? That right. are that are serving no one. I guess yeah. that's not that's not fair. But they, he's they, not he's not stealing from like he's a, not stealing from he's he's stealing from other he's stealing from rich people. He's, he's ste- literally yeah, he's stealing from the punching rich. up. I know you can make the argument that like stealing from a museum is not punching up, but but he's not punching down at the very least, right? Yeah. And, and 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 so his mentality, and he can he can be not doing it entirely entirely the right way, and I could still empathize with what he's doing. So yeah. even if he is going about it the wrong way and stealing from maybe the wrong places, as long as he's not punching down and he's serving serving the people who are being wronged, like I think that is the exploration of the gray. Right? Yeah. It's this where idea it like that sometimes right Spider Man will get into where it's like. I thought I was the hero, but I'm stopping this guy who is helping people who need to be helped and who are helpless, right? That's fully where I thought this I thought I thought it was a weird way to start the show, but I fully thought that's where this was going. And then this scene really throws Turbojet under the bus. Well, and then like, nothing makes sense from this point on as far as like what they're actually exploring. Or if it does, I hate it. It's like it's meant to be a twist, it feels like, right? Like the twist it's supposed is supposed to be that, a like, reveal for sure. Th- he yeah, was like, bad all along. Right. You thought he was a Robin Hood figure, but he actually is like pure evil, <laughs> essentially. But like But he still I, can't I, even be pure evil. He's funding the fucking pro I mean, right. I guess we're not supposed to like selfish. the protesters, it's, but like they're still they establish that these people are losing their homes with short notice and no help. Like like, in no circumstance are we not supposed to empathize with those people. Because I think what they're trying to say with him when they have this twist, is that like, he's actually fundamentally selfish and not doing it for the protesters. They're just sort of like being positively affected, like uh, incidentally. Right. But the thing is, if he was a truly selfish person, then he would just take the money for himself and move somewhere and not give a right. shit. Right. Like he this is the try type to of save collateral damage that has nuance, not putting yeah. people in comas. Right. Like, right. Because you could sit there and say like, the fact that you're benefiting from this is icky, but you are also funding a fight against a, an oppressor, right? 
So like you, you financially benefiting off of fighting an oppressor is a little icky, but there is still a positive result there. That to me is like a weird gray nuanced area that, that could be discussed and explored. Right. But they yeah. don't, that's not what they're exploring. <laughs> like That's almost, not what they're doing. Like, I wonder if, again, I've watched all the DVE stuff and listened to the commentary and they don't mention this. So I'm pulling this out of my ass just based on the text that we have. I almost wonder if it was like a rewrite thing, like where maybe because because it's just so like there is such a clear like split down the middle of like the first half of the episode even though there's a lot of shit that we don't like there's at least like a through line with this with turbo jet as a character and then the last half makes no fucking goddamn sense after this reveal which makes me almost wonder if like they they had they like went back and added this in and sort of tweaked it to make him less likable because I they think were worried I that think that's what happened would, it would be too gray of a character because like everything the everything he does in this last half suddenly becomes so like over the top and like purposely like like purposely mean to people like you, you know what it is though I think you know? it's even messier than that because I don't even think I think part of it is like oh well we don't want him to be too likable, but I, he could be likable. That's fine. You're allowed to like, you can yeah. do villains that are likable and, and still agree. Like you didn't do that. Right. But I, I get where you're coming from. You know, I think more so their protagonists all look terrible. Like if, if, if turbo jet ends up being the good guy <laughs> in the end, you either need all of these characters to admit that they were wrong along the way, which they could have done very easily. Uh, or they need to make him a bad guy so that yeah. they can justify, you know, Peter and Mary Jane not being just human scum. <laughs> yes. You know? I mean, they do make him a bad guy at the end. It's just in a way that doesn't But line then up everybody's a bad guy in the end because, yep. because Peter and Mary Jane don't change their attitudes. Spoiler alert. They're still like pro cop, like, uh, <laughs> like means justify or ends justify the means, like, but also protesters guy are a, stupid. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. But this is where it all completely falls apart. Because at least if they had if they had kept TurboJet's through line, then at the very least things would have made sense. It would have been yeah. weird that Peter and Mary Jane were making the arguments they were, and I wouldn't have liked it. But at least would have made some sort of sense thematically. Yeah. <laughs> when I said at the top of the episode that we were going to have a lot to talk about, and you were like, "I don't know if we will," this is what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. This that's was true. Be, I knew I, this episode was a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think the show as a whole. I will have. I think the stories maybe. If if there are more stories like this one, I should say there will be plenty to talk about. I don't know that I have much to say about the show in like a grander sense, but we will see once we get through everything. Sure. Yeah. So every this turn, like this big twist, the way that it's played out is that like the suit is kind of accusing Lewis of carelessly doing the hero stuff. And that's when like the big twist is revealed. Basically it's like Lewis is like, I'm not a hero. I don't care. People are stupid if they're interpreting my actions as heroic and they're only doing it because they can't help themselves. I'm a bad guy. And we're just like, where the hell did this come yeah, from? What, the man? Hell? what does that even mean? But Spider-Man's watching all this. So he's like, yes, I was right all along. <laughs> People who support protest movements are bad, and this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the suit leaves, Spider-Man sneaks, sneaks up behind Lewis and uh, accuses him of just being a criminal. And uh, Lewis suits up because he was wearing his suit underneath his whatever he was wearing. I guess he was wearing a trench coat no or something. I don't know. 
But uh, he suits up and the two clash. They set off a nearby security alarm. But then when the police arrive, Turbojet jets and Spider-Man is seemingly caught red handed with all that money that Lewis had received earlier. So the cops are after Spider-Man now. Of course. This also just like reinforces what has sort of been brewing among the protesters who are just so irrational uh, that Turbojet is the good guy and that Spider-Man is selfish. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this particular event would even play into that, but okay. I don't. Because all they would have known is that Spider-Man was found, you know, apparently like just with money. Like this wasn't even money that was like stolen oh, from somewhere. He was true. literally how just found they, with money. How would they connect it with TurboJet? They're just that they're crazy that they're connecting yeah. all the dots that aren't even there. Whoa, yeah. whoa. It's just like a, it's a weird, poorly written crowd thing. It's, it's, it's honestly kind of akin. It's not as bad because this example is just purely empty. So like there's nothing to complicate it, but it's, it's sort of akin to like J Jonah Jameson being like, isn't Mysterio the best? And everyone being like, yeah, fuck Spider-Man. Yeah, for no You're like, oh, okay. Sure. I guess so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 on, it's, yeah, it's kind of along the same lines for sure. Well, later in class, Harry tries to argue that expanding the uh, ESU facilities into a science lab is actually making the most of an inevitable situation. Cause as he says, they would have gotten rid of the building anyway, which, okay. <laughs> it's, it's really not the problem here actually, but okay. And then this is weird. This is where I thought things were going to turn for the better, but they don't because Peter is like, well, you know what? Maybe some things aren't as black and white as they seem. And I'm like, yes, yes, exactly. Okay. You're beginning to see it here. Like you're, you're understanding that like maybe you are being too hard on the Robin hood figure. uh, And that maybe just because there's like a good result in a science lab doesn't mean it's worth displacing hundreds of people from their homes. But his example is this. One person's good deed might be another person's crime. You see, one person who's who's Robin Hooding about might actually be committing crimes. You guys, have you ever even like fucking read Robin Hood though? Like, yes, Robin Hood commits crimes, and we cheer for, for good, it. and we cheer for it. Like, that's the <laughs> point. The whole point. That's not the point to be made here. What are you doing? And and the <laughs> order of this is really important because it's not like he says one person's crime is another person's good deed. the 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 order of this sentence matters. Yeah, it really does, because he is just simply he's actually not exploring grayness at all. He's making a very clear distinction and he's on the side of of the police, basically, like you are committing a crime, period. He says earlier, why do I have to follow all the laws when this guy doesn't have to? He should and not his his conclusion, his implied conclusion isn't that he should be people should be more lenient on him. It's that Turbojet should follow the laws. Like that's also, what is Spider-Man implied. doesn't follow all the laws. He's a fucking vigilante. Vigilantism no, is illegal. He breaks stuff all the time. What are you talking about? That's also not right. Like, I, I know that you mean like not electrocuting people and stealing priceless objects, I guess, but like you don't follow the laws. That's literally what a vigilante is. Well, no, I know. And I know he, I know that he knows that, right? He knows he's breaking the law, but it's not like he's sitting there saying, I should maybe understand Turbojet because I also break laws for the greater good. He's just mad that nobody is is also mad at Turbojet for breaking laws. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's totally backwards. It's and this totally supports is. that. 
Also, I know like you framed all this to make that point. That was much a much more important conversation than what I'm I'm about to say. But no, I think I what you're s- about to say is it about MJ? Because I think it's oh also God, very it important. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's like hysterical how stupid and bad it is. Because when Peter first posits, like maybe things I, I don't think things are so black and white. Mary Jane's response to this, and the context is that he was previously talking about Turbojet and Spider Man to Harry. And in the midst of that conversation, when Peter says, I don't think things are so black and white, Mary Jane interjects as in your feelings for another person. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, no. And she's disappointed and continues the conversation that they were already having. Mary Jane, what the fuck does that mean? Mary Jane, what? Harry and Peter are like wrestling with these like ethical dilemmas and like they're doing a bad job at it, but like, that's the conversation that's happening. And Mary Jane's like, but do you like me? Yes or no? Like, and again, (laughs) Mary Jane, who has been shown to be like very actively engaged with this protest and his campus happenings is suddenly disengaged from this conversation specifically to make like bedroom eyes at Peter and pine after him and be sad that he doesn't want to kiss her right now, which does not fit in with any other pieces of her character that we've seen in this very episode. It makes me so fucking mad. It's so stupid and it doesn't even make sense it doesn't even make sense what do you mean feelings aren't black and white what does that even mean what does it mean mean anything it it does not mean anything god i'm uh it's it's really unfortunate this uh, is the first episode of the show unless every episode of the show is this bad it's not no i I, it cannot they cannot be (laughs) they cannot be this bad my memory cannot be this flawed there are ones that i remember liking (laughs) i just i can't Uh, If I was like sort of quiet at the beginning of this episode, it's because I, this is the first episode of the show I watched. And I was like, I don't know. I I don't want to like come in hot and be like, this show is maybe very bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I don't know if the show is, I just know that this episode is. This episode sucks. (laughs) I didn't think I would feel so heated with this one. But like the more you dig into it, the worse yeah. it is. Because it's not even just that we disagree with the things they're saying. Like it's it's there's layers to it. It's like I personally don't like a lot of this episode because I think the things they're saying are despicable, right? But then on top of that, it's not just that I have a personal disagreement with their beliefs. It's that they're not even consistent beliefs and they don't even necessarily make sense like within the context of the conversations these characters are having or the characters that these particular iterations are built upon. So it's like, it's not even written well in addition to these characters being like assassinated by the writing. (laughs) It's really, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. And it's very surprising to me that this was what they intended to be uh, our introduction to these characters. Uh Especially because it's not even like a really simple, straightforward thing. Like, Like, shouldn't your first episode like just establish all the pieces. But I guess if they are also trying to like show you like, Hey, we're going to be different. Mm, That's true. We're not a kid's show. We're more complicated than that. We're going to push the boundaries and ask questions that are uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, And it's like, well, I'm sure uncomfortable. Probably not for the reason we're going to shoot guns. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to shoot guns and they're not going to be lasers this time. They're real guns. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) Well, Harry invites them at the end of this conversation. This all really results in Harry being like, well, you know, I do have that Oscorp presentation tonight. Would love it if you two would come, which is kind of wild because like Peter 
supposedly doesn't care, right? He's sort of been like, oh, whatever. And then Mary Jane, like, is pretty against it. And I guess they show her being sort of begrudgingly there, but it's yeah. just funny that he's like, you guys should come to this thing that I know both of you will hate because uh, I'm going to be there. <laughs> uh, Mary Jane does agree, but Peter's like, uh, no, I can't. I got something I got to take care of tonight, which we know is just like Spider-Man business. Mm-hmm. Um, so they cut pretty much directly to that presentation uh, that night. And so we get Harry on stage um, we get this weird, like, I don't know that the joke is worth it. This weird moment where like the Jane Lynch boardroom character starts to talk and then is like, oh wait, is my mic even on? Why did they it. do that? That was weird. <laughs> it's like not funny. No. <laughs> Whatever. Know, I anyway, <laughs> I think, I actually think the show does that a lot where it's like little things where I think they're supposed to feel like, oh, this is like people <laughs> being natural. And like, this is like, this is people being real people. And I'm like, oh, it's actually just like an additional beat, but whatever. Um, <laughs> So we're at this presentation. Harry reveals the the telescope that is supposed to be donated to fund the expansion and begins to say, like, you know what? I actually had a, a whole speech prepared for this, but my friend Mary Jane kind of inspired me, so I'm going to go off script here. And before we can figure out what it is that he's inspired to go off script to do, Turbojet interrupts and steals the telescope right out of his hands. And as you would expect, with Peter not there in attendance, Spider-Man swings in to stop him. That he does. So Turbojet like confidently claims that the people are on his side. Uh, so that's when Spider-Man uh, shares publicly that Turbojet called them stupid, which the protesters, for one, overhear despite all the shouting that's happening. Um, and two, some of them are just like, wait, what? He said that? He called us stupid? Didn't? Don't you fucking hate Spider-Man? Why yeah. would you not think that he's flying? Uh, whatever. It doesn't make sense. Um, but, you know, and, and at first I was like, is that where this episode's going? That like Spider-Man just tells them that's what he said and that's how they turned against him. But no, uh, at, at, to the episode's credit, question mark, it does take mm. a little more than that to fully turn the, the public against Turbojet because when Turbojet figures out or has told that the uh, the telescope is a fake because like Spider Man tipped off Oscorp or whatever, so they like you know swapped in the fake Galileo telescope for this presentation. So the one that he has is worthless. <laughs> this is it's I I laughed so hard when I saw this. It's funny for all the wrong reasons though. He chucks <laughs> the telescope in its hardwood display directly in the face of a protester who screams, <laughs> who screams and falls out. But the way that it's animated is so cartoony and silly it's hilarious it's just like a quick like it's like you're watching a fucking vine and you'd expect it just cut off as soon as the person is hit in the face because they're fully knocked down on the ground yeah and people scream at it he just chucked a fucking piece of wood in a person's face it's wild too for because no reason like- if it were just meant to be like physical comedy, that would be one thing. I mean, it's it would be not, out of it's an place. Important, it's an important like turn. Well, it's an important turn, but it's like, it's not even just that it's like, uh, what if we did this and everybody thought it was funny and then it was released and everyone was like, that wasn't actually that funny. It's, yeah. it's like, it's not, I don't think it's meant to be funny at all. It's no. like, it's, it's an important beat. And the person who's hit screams Ugh. like horrified. And somebody says, someone call an ambulance. Like that person is very physically damaged as a result of having this thrown at them. It is not meant to be funny and it's fucking hilarious. It is so funny because it's out of nowhere. It looks so silly the way it's done executed. It's just, uh, and it's just the most, the silliest way to like prove that Turbojet is a bad guy. Like he doesn't care about us. He threw a box at one of us (laughs) and broke their nose. I just, 
Like, there's so many better ways you could have done it. You could have done another collateral damage thing, but it's just like, but you didn't try to save someone. You let us get hurt by a beam falling on people or something, you know? Like, or even, why did you throw a box at a person's face for no reason? Or why not even, I mean, this is this is the least inspired way to go about it, but like, why didn't Spider-Man just record him? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I then, and then play it over the loudspeakers that are already there. Like, it would have been, Ugh. it would have been, uninspired but it would have made way more sense and it would have been more convincing than just being like this guy called you stupid see (laughs) it's just frustrating because like normally in so many cases i'm like i'm i'm always like in for the ambition of something like if you're trying to do something completely different from what the you know the cliche or the or the trope or whatever is just to do it like even if it's done badly or messy like i still appreciate the attempt to do something different right i don't you're a more gracious person than i am (laughs) i don't feel like this and that in this episode because so much of the stuff where it's sort of like if they're trying to subvert something i don't i either don't know what they're subverting or it's like, or like, I guess it's more like they're clearly not taking the lazy route for whatever they're doing, but it's still like the not lazy route well, just ends up being nonsensical and stupid and weird. I feel and bad. like they're not taking the expected lazy route. I don't know if they're not, not taking a lazy route. That's fair. Maybe that, that, that actually, I think that's exactly <laughs> and I what think it is. For me, that's the that's distinction, right? Cause I think you yeah. can, I think you can decide not to use a, a tried and true trope, right? But then mm-hmm. still not try very hard to not use it if that makes sense good point that's an extremely good point yeah like it it would have been lazy for them to do the record and then and then broadcast it over the speakers but if you're not going to do that then like show me what you got even if you miss i want to see that you swung really hard (laughs) they're not swinging very hard (laughs) yep it's a bunt and a strike at the same time yep (laughs) that's not even fair bunts are like daring you know yeah uh, I mean, <laughs> well, if we're talking about like cliched shit, the way that, when Turbo Jet attempts to escape, he just kidnaps Mary Jane, who just who you know who's just there. Yep. Uh, so cool. Got first episode. We got our we got our damsel in distress happening for, and it was unnecessary. There's no reason for this to happen, but whatever. He's got Mary Jane now. Flies away with her. Spider Man chases him through the streets. Uh, he attaches individual web strands to Turbo Jet kind of along the way. So eventually, the webbing gains enough strength to slope Turbo Jet down. Kind of rubber bands him. Rubber bands Turbo Jet right into Spider Man's fist. Yeah, punches him right in the face on screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool, I guess. I, I mean, the way that he defeats him, I wouldn't have guessed it. That's kind of cool. Like the weird rubber band stuff, because it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. That's kind of fun. It's and weird, cartoony, you know? Yeah, I'm not I'm not that enthusiastic about it. Because like part of it is pacing, right? Like I, I'm really surprised that this show kind of falls into the same category of a lot of things where everything is resolved very quickly after, after the realization is made. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no... Like essentially what happens is Turbojet runs away and Spider-Man catches him and there's no obstacle in between, you know, mm-hmm. like not Mary Jane isn't even an obstacle in between. Like there's nothing he has to do differently because Turbojet has Mary Jane. That's true. Um, so it's, 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 I don't know. There's not very much satisfying about it, even though it is kind of a creative solution because Turbojet is treated like a vehicle, you know, right. Right. but I don't know. There's something that ends up still not being very satisfying about it. And like, I only pointed out him punching Turbojet in the face just because it's like something a cartoon typically isn't allowed to do. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it, I think it still probably falls under the category of like, well, you kind of just did it because you're allowed to, I think. True. 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's, I think part of it is like figuring out what this show's sense of humor is because I don't, I don't think with what I've watched so far, it really has much of one. It's not very funny. Um, I, I don't remember it ever being very funny yeah. though, even watching it originally. So. But then the problem is you have these moments where like he is sort of rubber banding back and forth, which I think is supposed to be funny. But yeah. then because there's not, you're not really like laughing at other points throughout it. Like there's not that consistent ebb and flow of like mm-hmm. balancing that out. Um, and it's cartoony in a way that yeah. doesn't fit the rest of this show. I yeah. mean, maybe that that kind of thing. I I do wonder if, you know, the the head writer who wrote this episode, like this was his first animation foray into animation at all, and that might be the kind of thing where it's just sort of like right in in writing some of this. It's sort of like not like maybe that's when you'd sort of go, you don't really know exactly like where the tone of it is mm-hmm. not really recognizing what's too cartoony. And then what's sort of the vibe of your show. If the whole show was that cartoony, it will be fine. But it's sort of like, if you don't really have those parameters, if you're not used to those parameters when you're writing, maybe it's harder to recognize like, okay, you know, we could do this kind of cool action sequence because it's animation and not live action. But this action sequence is just so off the wall that it doesn't really make sense for our show. So let's scale back. You know, I think it's, I think that's, that's probably part of it, but also he, literally described it as being a kid in a candy store right there's probably things he's doing simply because he can do them and i mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if this were one of them because this is sure. a very like physics based like the rubber banding thing is like very much just like we have the physics to pull this off so like let's Absolutely. see what it, what it looks like yeah for sure so i mean at least he knows that right like i think if you describe something as being a kid in a candy store like you're basically admitting like yeah i kind of just i kind of just went with it i just i wanted everything i wanted to try a little bit of everything right right yeah, so I guess see that kind of reflected here, don't we? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 who knows? Maybe maybe some of this stuff will be outlying stuff. You know, like as the show goes on, maybe some of that stuff will get figured out, and and I'll feel better uh, about uh, or or at least more clarified, right? Like mm-hmm. a good example is Spider Woman. Spider Woman clarified itself the more we watched it. Things that might have frustrated us early on made more sense as we understood things better and i'm yeah. I'm hoping that some things about this show that i'm seeing as troubling in this first episode will maybe make a little bit more sense or at least at least have some identified context with more yeah. viewing so especially because it is so very clear that they yeah. did have a very specific vision for this show yeah. it's just hard exactly to kind of pin down what it is the way that we're breaking it down right now yeah. until we watch a little more well that's why i said like at the top like i'm trying to make sure my mind is still open because it's not fair to judge 13 is it 13 episodes yeah 13. 13 episodes having only seen a few you know I'm I'm going through a little bit of a crisis because I just I remembered feeling that the show was in the middle of the road, but then watching this, it's sort of like, is this the? Am I doing? Am I doing like the, the nostalgia goggle thing? Nostalgia goggle thing where I'm literally like, wow, the thing that I liked when I was younger sucks actually. Like I don't want to do that, but like this episode does. It might. So. It, it, it's it's entirely possible. It's this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll we'll yeah. we'll see. It'll be a journey for us both. For I'm gonna be reasons. upset. I'm gonna be real upset when we get to uh some of the epi- some of the stuff that I remember liking if we get to it and I'm like, <laughs> oh no, this sucks too. No. Well, I have no agenda here. I've I've nothing I've I have no investment, yeah. so Yeah. I'm hoping that I'm my memory isn't that flawed. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, there's not a whole lot left here in the episode. So what we do get after Spider-Man punches TurboJet in the face, effectively knocking him out, right? Like TurboJet, no longer a threat. Dunzo, that part. Um, Mary Jane and Spider-Man share a moment 
based on their very brief history in the movies. Um, and MJ is basically like, Hey, I know that we're like, not really a thing. And Spider-Man's like, Oh, I think I know where this is going. And she's like, well, actually it's not that there's kind of somebody else. And Spider-Man, I think, I feel like the 90s show did this too, where Spider-Man was like, Oh, is it anybody I know? Yeah. The 90s show definitely <laughs> did this. Yeah. Um, with Mary Jane actually. Um, and she says, well, I don't even think he knows. Which is weird because he knows. Yeah. Well, especially because it's sort of like, so it's just a moment where you are or aren't playing into the Raimi continuity because in the Raimi, in the Raimi movie, you explicitly tell him that you're into him and they do love to play that up. And they reference that in this when they reference the kiss that they had from that yeah. movie. Very awkwardly. That's the other moment. Right, I was, that clarifies I was, what I was sort yeah, of uh, that's, confusing earlier on. That's the other moment I was referencing earlier on where it feels like you just, where it's like you just, I feel like you just added this in at a late draft of the script just to be like, we need at least one other movie reference. So let's just throw in like, Oh, by the way. Yeah. I know we shared that kiss, but, but then it's also like, but then if we are playing with that continuity, then he should know. But then again, like this show plays it so last and loose with that, that I think we just sort of have to assume that it's all very broad strokes. It's not, technically in continuity with the movie it's just sort of like whatever general events that we remember from that happen and in this case i guess she just we're just assumed that mary jane never expressed her feelings to peter yeah. i think I, guess. I think we have to operate under the rules that the kiss definitely happened um and that the that she did not directly confess her feelings to peter and so they're in a state of uh miscommunication still right i think as long as we're operating under those assumptions, then theoretically everything should make sense. Right. But we'll see what other references they throw in that could that could really complicate that. <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, the cops arrive. This is this is one thing where I was sort of saying, like, you know, I, I can't really tell if he's pro cop, but it does seem like he has a working relationship with them, even though they also shot at him earlier. Cause he says, the cops will listen to me. But I don't really want to answer questions right now. It's like, that's an interesting line considering they were just shooting at you. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Like, and, and Spider-Man, various iterations will have Spider-Man being hotly in contention mm -hmm. with the police and others will have him working hand in hand with the police. Like, mm -hmm. they've told every story that you can tell as far as like his relationship with the police. This episode does not make clear which story they're telling. No, it's very unclear. Very unclear. The whole thing is, I mean, it's all about the gray area, Doug. You know, who knows? There's no way to know where he stands with the police. No, there is. You can tell Nothing us. Nothing's black and white. It's weird. Yeah, I know, right? Like, you guys are in charge of the story. You can, you could tell us the rules you're operating under. Yeah, or you whatever. can tell us that it's gray uh, and then, and then, and then demonstrate that. Yeah. It's almost like this episode is just not very well written. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is also hilarious and how bizarre it is the next day there's a news report oh my god sharing that the villaroy residents are moving out of the towers but they all seem very happy and everything's loving it so they still are kicked out of their homes but i guess because they have money now it's fine because it turns out that harry opted to donate proceeds from the galileo telescope option au auction to fund their relocation uh instead of or at least in addition to the expansion so like they're still forced out of their homes but they have like a little bit of money to make it slightly easier to rent in the middle of new york yeah, i know this I is guess. this is trash this sucks this, this is trash because it because what it does is it tells us that we are supposed to be okay one it tells us that we're supposed to be okay with esu displacing these people under yeah. under under 
basically slightly different rules than they established early on, right? It, it also tells us that the protesters were only ever mad that they weren't being financially compensated for yeah. being displaced, which is not, that is not the problem here. The problem is you're forcing people out of their homes uh, and you're not giving them notice and, and you're not helping them. Like that's yeah, the just, last piece of the puzzle is that you're also not helping them. It's not just, just oh, sorry, we didn't pay you. Just want the money. Yeah, they're greedy, crazy protesters. That's all they want is the money and attention. Obviously, it's so, uh, they're it's, happy with the money. It's really bad. It also makes yep. it also validates everything Harry said throughout the whole episode, which I have a problem with. Uh huh. Um, it also it also validates the 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 criticisms that Turbojet had. Uh, which were fine until he then was revealed to actually fucking hate them for some reason, despite helping them the whole time. Um, like it's just, it's, it's really, really bad. And it also, it also just neglects the actual challenge of what these people are going through, which is something that people in real life go through. So it's just completely mm-hmm. ignorant to what this experience is, uh, which is weird because they acknowledge a little bit of what the experience is earlier in the episode. Somebody says, it's not just that we, have to find places we like to live we have to find places to live you're not helping us pay for that and how are we supposed to work when we are also finding places to live like they they acknowledge the complicatedness of this early on and then this completely undermines it it's it's very annoying yep did you also find every single one of them homes i doubt it probably not nope probably not it's also wild because they're still employees of the like this they did these they did this to their employees that's yeah. I keep forgetting that. That is an important detail that at they least pointed a lot that out. of the people there, if not most of the people who live there, work at ESU, and they're fucking them over. They made it clear that it was the vast majority of tenants. Yeah. They said ninety percent of the tenants work oh, for the wow. college. I didn't remember them even giving the number. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What in the world? Yeah. And so this conclusion is just, it's very stupid. And again, you could have embraced the gray of it all, right? People could have been begrudgingly moving out, but at least been like, well, at least that's one thing off the table. And you could have had your your Mary Jane figure who should be sort of keen on some of this stuff, hopefully, if we're interpreting some of that language correctly, to say like, well, it's not great, Harry, but at least, at least it's a step in the right direction. You know, like mm-hmm. something to acknowledge like, well... But I mean, they they need us to root for they need us to root for the good guys. I don't know who even are the good guys anymore. You know what? I guess uh, episode is sort of like things aren't so black and white. Yeah, you're right. I think everyone is bad. Uh, ultimately, is what it looks like. So. Yeah, everyone's bad. There's I there aren't two sides. There's it, just it, one, and it's all. It's bad. not black and white. It's just it's just the it's just the dark. Uh, cool. Great. I would great I would like take. to believe that Jelena is unsatisfied with the situation. I hope so. She seemed to be pretty real, I guess. So from yeah. the three seconds we saw of her. Yeah. Well, because she was sort of like, uh, I think she kind of understood why he found like a pizza party sort of like uh, annoying, but also was like, it's also pizza. Like, relax, buddy. Like we can, <laughs> right. you know, what I mean? like she seemed to, she right. seemed to be the one who got the nuance on yeah. both sides. Yeah, why couldn't this episode be about her? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Instead of all these shitty people doing shitty things. Jesus. Well, the episode, the ending is even over because the ending is also stupid. It ends with, 
Mary Jane like, kind of giving Harry a hard time about not telling her about like the new plan to to use the, the 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 Galileo telescope funds for the relocation or whatever. And Harry is being weird about it for some reason. I guess the I guess the implication is that he hadn't decided to do it until later on down the line or something, and that's why he didn't tell her because she did have to convince him. But Peter's like, "I'll cover for you." Uh, he's saying that actions speak louder than words, and she's like, "Oh, really?" And then she kisses him, and he's all happy about it but like she kisses him on the lips and it's like a legit kiss but they're definitely not going to be together after this like spoiler no. that's not the status quo the rest the whole rest of the show she's gonna be pining after him so what <laughs> it's weird it's so weird it's weird they also they write these two men to treat her like she's an absolute fucking moron well, but they also kind of, of write her like a moron so it's like i don't even know i don't even know what to do with that you know what i mean I know what I do with it. I throw it in the garbage because this episode blows. Yeah, this episode is trash. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I was of really going into it, <laughs> hoping for like come out to find some kind of nuggets, you know, and I'm like, oh, the, some of the shadows are cool and Spider-Man looks cool sometimes. That's about it. Everything else fucking sucks. This episode, I hate. Oh, God, I hate being like this. Never mind. I'm not going to keep going. All I'm just going to do is keep ranting about how you don't like this episode. I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I was it's, really it's, excited it's... to dive back into this uh, show. And... <laughs> and I know you were. So I was watching this like, oh, no. Good God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I'm sorry to all y'all who were really excited for us to get into this. And I hope well, this wasn't your favorite because. Um, I mean, tell us yikes. what we got wrong. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is like the, part of part of why we ask is because we recognize that like we don't cover everything. Like we can't cover everything. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So if, if if you walk away from this being like, no, actually, I like it, and I listened to everything you said, and I still feel like you're being too hard on it, like tell tell me why. I don't know. Yeah. I'll listen. Maybe I just we'll think feel... it's I think it's not written well. I think at its core, the problem is that it's not it's not written very well. There is a lack of consistency. They make weird choices, mm-hmm. um, and they really they really uh, throw their own characters under the bus. They really do. Maybe we'll feel different about it once we watch the whole season or something like that. And then it's sort of like th- some of the things we that bother us will clarify itself. But the actual sort of like political well, and social and character based stance in this, I don't think it's ever going to change. It will require these characters to have season long arcs or at least multiple yeah. episode arcs. You know what I mean? Like that is yeah. going to be necessary because like one thing that Spectacular does well is like sometimes I'm really annoyed with Peter, but I know that they're going to tell a story with his like growth and journey you know what i mean so like you you have a confidence there uh that you can kind of rely on to be like yes he sucks but he's growing right he's a dumb teenage boy um i don't know if the show will explore that it doesn't sound like that's what they set out to do um, and it's also possible that they were cut short before they could really get into that some of that stuff but it's a bold choice to start here um, it doesn't seem like they knew that they were making their characters so unlikable, um, or at least yeah. inconsistent, I should say. It, it, at the very least, it doesn't seem like they recognized that they were making characters that didn't have a consistent perspective or point of view. <laughs> yeah, That's the way I can say it. Uh, probably most diplomatically. <laughs> I remember the episode that actually did air first being, being one that I liked at the time. And I am hoping that like 
not that it like, you know, matters at this point, because this was the one that we covered first and it was one that was intended to air first. But I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we'll get to that point and be like, oh, actually, maybe this was a good first episode because yeah. it's better than uh, than the garbage that they gave us that they intended to be the first one that they gave us so it's possible it's also possible and i don't think this is necessarily in you know like an indictment on any particular person who has a perspective about this show and then revisits it right like if if it turns out that this ends up being the case this isn't like an indictment of you or your taste but it's possible that this show did something so different than other shows that is admirable but then just upon closer inspection or as storytelling within the genre grew or figured itself or evolved like just sort of kind of gets left behind as like antiquated you know what i mean like the sheer fact that they're willing to have characters discuss the morality of collateral damage is different and refreshing it's just like we have a better understanding of what you're talking about (laughs) like you know so i don't know yeah yeah yeah. Oh my God. Um, well, you were praising this, the style of the show, at yeah. least to some regard. And that is a highlight for sure. I don't think it's a, a, an especially good looking show a lot of the time, but I do think some of the stuff that it does, especially in those little interlude type moments, those eye catchy moments, mm-hmm. I think they kind of nail. So my, my face of the episode is a very particular, I think it's almost like a very anime ish moment or like tokusatsui mm-hmm. moment. Uh, where Spider-Man is looking down at um, or looking down upon uh, Turbo Jet and like the guy in the suit from like a building on top of the alley. And he's like backlit by the moon and his eyes are glowing. So he's like entirely in shadow. It's just a really cool frame. And I think it it serves his suit really, really well because one of my one of the things I'm going to be curious to watch aesthetically as we cover this show uh, is if my feelings on his suit in relation to the environment will change. Cause right now I'm not feeling it. Cause mm. I feel like his suit, I like his suit and I like the environments generally speaking. Um, and I like the character designs generally speaking, but the way that his suit is designed and I feel like interacts with the environments and lighting and stuff is different than a lot of other things. Like a lot of the characters who are just human characters look very cell shaded, but his suit frequently doesn't. It looks more plastic. And a big piece of that is that they give his webbing a reflective, like his webbing is a reflective surface. Mm -hmm. And so instead of having just like an outlined version of Spider-Man, he's like not really outlined. Um, It really stands out in the next episode, I will say, and I'll point it out when we get to it, but something about his, his suit when he's suited up isn't integrated into the environment as well. I don't think, but interesting. It looks great here. Yeah, it, it when when they're doing good shadow work, they do really good shadow work. Yeah, so the shadow stuff benefits everybody because it's yeah. it sort of like it 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 creates a a balance across the board, regardless of what you're you know which model you're working with. For sure, for sure. Who oh boy, um, I think we've said it enough. This is not I'm a ready good to episode. Be done. Yeah, I'm ready to be done. It's not a good episode. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk more positively about stuff well other almost than like always almost every always. other <laughs> literally every other episode of our podcast honestly but also our patreon patreon.com slash snappers where we talk a lot 
uh, about a lot of uh, extra fun things like comics and video games and movies and whatnot. Um, so lots of bonus content there. Uh, most of it you can get is is uh, as little as $1 a month. So definitely check us out there. Uh, check out our Discord as well if you'd like to chat with us. If you want to tell us, yell at us for being totally wrong about this show or whatever, fully oh disagreeing about it. Watch uh, the MTV animated series channel like be the most active channel on the discord it's like hotly contested whether this this episode is good or not hey you know what that i i would be interested to see what people have to say about it yeah um but yeah check us out there that links in our show notes uh also on our social media you can probably find it anywhere or hit us up if you have trouble getting into it if you'd like to find us individually where can we find you on the internet, Doug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a Pokemon podcast here on the 4 Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. And if you like books and video games, you can hear me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, structure-breaking, experimental gimmick episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. If you'd like to find more from Doug and I together, we have a monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon. We're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Finding Dory is out now wherever you get your podcasts you can find that and all of our archived episodes of walloping web snappers on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com or you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod for any extra goodies like faces of the episode and whatnot uh, or you can email us walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com so you got another avenue to yell at us about this show <laughs> if you disagree with us <laughs> Please or just rate, say right on. You don't have say, to yell at us. If you agree, that's, that's, true. A, that's also f- totally fine. You can yell at us positively, <laughs> like all caps, I agree with you and loved your episode. That's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Even if you didn't like what we had to say about this show, maybe you throw us some five stars anyway, just because this took a lot of, out of us talking about this for a couple hours. <laughs> next week we are still continuing with it hopefully for a better episode we'll see as spidey gets tapped by the fbi question mark and fights kingpin and tarot bang in the episode royal scam all right see you then see ya 